Hello, everybody, and welcome to the penultimate episode of Season 8 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stogden. You want to know what I do? I get paid to take pictures of rich guys like you who go to seedy, out-of-the-way motels to fuck the Sequelizers. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. That... And again, quite a cryptic reference. I appreciate that. That could could slip by a few listeners. I like it. And speaking of slipping by some listeners, (laughs) also joining us, also as always, it's Tim Matum. Matt Stogden. I'll tell you how I felt about Matt Stogden. Matt Stogden learned nothing from your test. He was the same person he was when he arrested me, and he framed me when he took me down. Again, fairly cryptic. If if there are listeners out there listening in their cars or have just auto-played the podcast without checking which episode it is, who knows? I've heard someone's like, but I'm I'm strapped into a machine and suddenly a voice is playing over a, a, a <laughs> over a speaker and it's us. <laughs> but Billy the puppet looks at the camera and goes, "Hello, everybody, and welcome to season eight of Sequelizers." <laughs> It's distorted. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to. I'm, I feel like my, yeah, my voice is considerably less scary than Billy the Puppet, right? Unless I'm doing. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to season eight of Sequelizers. Like, yeah. Would you like to record a podcast? <laughs> Doesn't quite work. Not quite as scary. Unfortunately. Do, do the entire ad break like that. <laughs> and that might have given it away, listeners. But before we reveal and all that kind of stuff. We'd like to go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and thank our lovely patrons who support us at a variety of different tiers and get a variety of lovely extra bonuses and rewards for their contributions. You can get ad-free episodes, you can get early access, you can get exclusive merch, you can get bonus episodes and bonus outtakes during the main seasons. You get bonus episodes when it's interseason, which is coming up real soon. As I said, penultimate episode of the season, so there'll be more bonus stuff coming up real soon. And if you go to the highest of the tiers, you can become an executive producer. Not only can you vote on an episode, you get a shout out on the show, and some people even get to pick an episode and pick a film for us to to, to sequelize, which is exactly what's happened this week. Our executive producers for this week are Jonathan Firth-Clark. Hello, Amanda. Andy Steen. Hello, Agent Perez. Xenos. Hello, William. Mike Salvia. Hello, Brad. Josh van der Sluice. Hello, Brian. And thank you very much to our latest executive producer, Mr. Michael Belcher. Thank you for joining the executive producer tier, Michael. We very much appreciate it. Hello, Mr. Hindle. And the person who has picked, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Saw 3 for us to fix this week. Mr. Josh Miles. Hello, humans. So yes, we are in fact delving into a, should we say infamous franchise of the last 20 years or so. The, uh, the, the premier torture porn, even though the creators don't like it called that, but tough, that's what it is. 
the Saw franchise, finally tackling it, and specifically Saw 3, which we'll get into in a moment. But let's start off as we always do before we get into the nitty gritty, because there is a lot of stuff to be talking about. There are nine films in this franchise. We will touch on some of the others, but we'll try and stick to the first three. We'll get to a synopsis, we'll get to a fix, all that kind of stuff. But Tim, I'm going to come to you first. What is your history with the Saw franchise? My history with the Saw films starts approximately 24 hours ago when I started watching Saw 1 and ended about an hour and a half ago. I was hoping you were going to say that. (laughs) When I finished watching Saw 3. Brilliant. Uh, Yeah, I didn't, I had no desire to see these films in the cinema, on DVD, on TV. I guess somewhere they've been shown on TV, presumably highly uh, edited. Um, But uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm not a huge horror person and certainly not interested. There was a huge, there was a big conversation when these films were around, around the same time as like Hostel and stuff like that, about like, like you say, torture porn and all those kind of things. And I, the, the premise of the first one sounded like, oh, okay, it's interesting, but mm, don't, don't know about all this trap stuff. Like the, the, the two guys trapped in a thing and they've got to like decide which one of them lives and dies. That's, that's reasonably interesting for like a little, chamber piece of you know trapped in one location kind of thing but it very quickly and you know obviously we'll talk about this how quickly this franchise turned into fucking eight films uh in as many years or whatever assigned to the 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 bin of just being like no it's just all derivative and they get so repetitive and it's just about these horrible kills and i was like i don't need to see that I've got other films I want to watch. Uh, and then t- yesterday I finally started watching them. <laughs> uh, and I thought... <laughs> There's a little tease for the fact that you're not the one fixing it this yeah. time. <laughs> uh, I think I'd seen clips and stuff, little bits and pieces, and obviously certain elements became quite parodied and things like that. Um, but yeah, this was my first time watching them. I thought Saw was fine. Um, I thought Saw 2 was about as good a sequel as you could make from the first film, probably. Uh, and then Saw 3, I was like, this is bad and boring. Um, yeah, so that, that, is, that is my quick history and verdict on the, th- on the first three of the Saw films. Matt, how about you? <laughs> I've seen them all. Um... <laughs> But I didn't see them all in the cinema. So, <gasps> my God, huge shock and horror from the listeners. I might shock you a little further. I only saw one of them in the cinema. Oh my God! Yeah, was it like five randomly? No, three D <laughs> in it. So no, 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 um, <laughs> no. I I saw Saw in the in the cinema, and I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, and. Uh, the subsequent ones, I wasn't really very interested in, and I saw them on DVD. I like the first. Three, I started getting on DVD thinking, oh, I'll watch these things. And as, as Tim mentioned, they got very generic very quickly. Now, here, here's the thing. I, I've seen them all. I haven't seen Spiral yet. I will probably watch it at some point. Um, but the most important thing is this franchise 
in the same way at the same time paranormal activity was doing the exact same fucking thing um this franchise is just reminiscent of all the slasher films of the 80s and arguably all the sort of uh, universal horror stuff of the 30s the hammer stuff of the 60s and 70s and things it's, it's essentially just the idea that you start with a really fucking strong interesting different premise in that it's doing something that we haven't seen in a while like oh wow okay um and in that way it's you know simple and effective in the same way the saw is basically just seven without the nuance and cube without the science fiction and i think both are better films but saw is still entertaining in its own right like oh he's gonna have to hack through his own leg yeah i saw that in mad max in the fucking 70s I, the film was in the 70s i wasn't watching it in the 70s and <laughs> so but presented for a new audience in a new way and as i say it became very distinct nice little twist ending sort of stuff uh compelling thing billy the puppet very very identifiable so very strong very strong the sequel was garen fucking teed um and much like a horror franchise, like, you know, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th, you just pump out a sequel Children after of the Corn. sequel after sequel. Children of the Corn is a prime example. They just Something that started off really quite different, interesting, ends up becoming something very uh, more schlocky, more made. This is the thing, they become more made for TV looking as they go on, even though the budget actually looks like it's staying about the same amount, $10 million each time. You think, how are you making this look cheaper each time? Um, and that then correct, on top of yeah. that, they get more convoluted because they get interwoven into their own shit. And the law goes so far up its own asshole. Um, and you have to know these. The thing is, with the Saw film, you have to know these films inside out to understand any of this shit, even though it's not really following any continuous planned strategy. It just makes up as it goes along and then reshoots bits. And it's like, oh, fucking hell. Um, and it's kind of a bit like Star Wars, where it's like everything about this one movie at the beginning has to come back to that fucking room because it's the most important or the, or the reverse bear trap. There's something has to come back to because it's the most important part. Why? Because it was in the first one. Um, and, and it's really frustrating in that regard because there's a lot of interesting takes and direction and things you could do with this. I think some of it's aged very badly as I'll get back to a bit later. Um, but ultimately, it took something that was quite novel, milked it to death where there was a point like one every year for a couple of years. Um, and yet the problem is your, your motherfuckers kept going watching it because they were pumping these things out for like, I say a like $10 million budget and they were making 150, whatever it was mm. each million each time. So it was making tons of profit. Like, well, why won't we just do another shitty one? And they're like, Oh, we'll stay away for like, you know, six, seven years, come back in, boom, another $200 million is a bullshit. And they're not necessarily, this is the key thing. And Tim might be right here. I enjoy the first Saw film. I think it's pretty good and compelling for what it is because it was different, sort of. Um, but it's not good. It's James Wan and Lee Whannell, the writer and director respectively of uh, the first one at least, um, less, less Bowsman, um, have gone on to have really interesting careers off the back mm. of this movie, especially the first film. First one. I'm, I'm grateful for it because Lee Whannell is especially really interesting talent and James Wan's very talented in his own right and I think that's great. But the franchise, I mean, it's laughable. In the same way, like, oh, my favorite. Have you seen Halloween fucking five? Fucking hell. Great film. I was like, no, it's not. It's trash. And that's what we did in the previous interseasons. We're like addressing all of the Friday the 13th films rather than just one of them because like, where do you fix this stuff? And obviously, because this is a Patreon pick, we've obviously been asked specifically to do a specific one. Um, 
but the fan base of horror and i will get on to that yeah. when it comes around to my turn <laughs> the horror <laughs> horror community are deep in the lore they always are they love these things they love the it's and then it's it's always the thing that horror communities say and i always disagree with them i say oh what about the uh friday 13th film what's the best thing about the friday 13th films is it the stories the characters it's the kills man it's the kills how's jason gonna kill someone what about this film oh it's the kills what about this one it's the traps it's like uh, but it's not is it because the traps when they do it, it's like it's it, it's it's not porn you you don't actually want the sex scene it's the novelty of the sex scene you want the story that sells why you're watching the porn in the first place as it were it's it's a very it's a very weird one so you mentioned that saw is a really interesting chamber piece i think saw 2 is the crystal maze running from room to room um saying oh no oh no get out get out get out get out we can oh no put my hand in oh no come out come out the, the, the little puzzle and by the third one as tim said it's like because i would agree i would agree by the way saw 1 decent saw 2 eh that's fine. I think you could touch, you know, some bits up here and there, and make it improve it in places, make it a bit more solid and stable. But Saw Three is just very boring. I get it; it's fine, but it's boring. And then by Saw Seven, it's like, oh, by the way, did we tell you the re the what was on the letter? It's like, oh, nobody cares what was on the fucking letter. But I'm getting too deep in this, so um, yeah, yeah. I think it's very notable that that James Wan and Lee Wanell, like James Wan directed the first one and did did story by that and the third one and Lee Wanell wrote the first one wrote the third one uh co-wrote the second one and that was his final one as well like they very quickly leave this franchise behind and go on to do much more interesting things um Jack what was yeah what was your origin story I've seen all fucking nine of them now as opposed to before or the seven main well i watched spiral very recently because it literally came out like two weeks ago <laughs> but yes i had previously seen all seven oh. um, and i watched jigsaw fairly recently and watched spiral recently as well but i'm not saying i like this franchise but there's a weird guilty pleasure and not from the traps because i don't give a fuck about the traps I find the convoluted bullshit and deep lore and all that kind of stuff just fascinating and bollocks and weird. Ah. If I'm going to get into something, I get into the lore and I get into the silliness and all the okay, fucking... Okay, well, okay. if this guy's the apprentice, then this guy's this apprentice. I know they're rubbish and I, I hadn't watched them in like a decade or whenever the last one came out. Because <laughs> like you said, they churned them out year on year on year pretty much. But yeah, I had seen all I had seen the main seven before coming to this episode of the show. And I recent fairly recently watched Jigsaw, like a couple of years ago, um, and watched Spiral last week, as of uh it being released on uh streaming services, etc. etc. Mm. So yeah. See, it's a rare example where Jack has seen more than me on the show. I know. It's maybe the first time in a franchise yeah, where probably. I've seen all of them. And the only excuse is that it's very, very new. <laughs> I went out of my way to watch it yeah. because, spoiler alert, I'm the one that's pitching. So mm. uh, yeah, I've I've watched all of them in preparation, and it's a tricky thing because I actually kind of disagree with you guys. I don't like Saw Two very much. I think Saw Two oh. is full of fucking problems. I think a lot of the characters are stupid, and as we said, this is a patron pick to pick sort of three. I would have picked Saw 2, personally, and 
Uh, we'll get into the problems with the pitch later on. We, we'll discuss that much later on. We'll get to synopses and stuff first, of course. But as you said, the law gets very convoluted and silly and everything has to tie into everything else. And I felt fairly restrained. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I, I, I think so too. The premise is not terrible. But the problem is it doesn't... I agree. It doesn't give you... I hate the characters. <laughs> the characters... I hate the... almost every single one of the characters. It's are just the worst. Yeah, you have to kind of give them... <laughs> like, throughout it, I was kind of going through it and I was going like, okay, well, you're meant to be being poisoned with nerve gas, so I guess you being this stupid kind of makes sense. Uh, because otherwise they are just the dumbest people mm. in the world. Um, I mean... Yeah, they're ho they're horror franchise protagonists, is what yes, they are. Yeah, uh, and and I think it's a shame because it kind of squanders a decent. It it, it very quickly. Well, it doesn't abandon the whole kind of like escape room mentality of it, but in a in a house full of traps, there's only like four traps total. I think, like. It feels like it should have spent more time in that <laughs> and less time with all the other attendant shit going on. And I guess with that Donnie I guess that fucking Wahlberg. Yeah, it has to keep going back to Donnie Wahlberg and like all of that stuff. But like that, none of that's particularly interesting. Like, yeah, it 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 feels like it wastes a potentially good premise for a follow up. And then by Saw 3, it's just like, and we've run out of ideas by now. I think the whole franchise is stuck, as, as you said, Matt, diving so far up its own ass with the lore and stuff that it's like, oh, but there's, there, there's this twist. Did you see this twist coming? Because, because we set up the twist, you know, there's the really famous twist in the first film, right? So we have to then do a twist at the end of every, every film in the franchise because otherwise, otherwise people won't care because we need a... We need, we need a, you don't need a twist at the end of every single fucking movie. <laughs> That's not how movies work. You don't have to have a cliffhanger and a twist and a, oh, three and four happen simultaneously. Fuck off with that shit. We, we already had this problem with Bourne. I'm not doing this again. We don't need this <laughs> simultaneous sidequel bollocks. That is all. Oh, but like, so when they go into this room, right, you can actually... There's there you know that the timer says this minute, so that you know that this guy is over here in this room doing this thing at the same time. And they actually cross over. And Jeff's in four, right? Jeff's the main character of three, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't already know, we'll get to the synopsis in a minute. And then all this bollocks, and it's like, oh God. And yeah, I felt very like constrained by the fact that two exists and then four exists. And I'm like, I've got to fit my three in here somehow, I guess. Like very much like with Matt's um, Star Trek five, like oh, yeah. there's a four and there's a six. So I've got to do a five that fits in the middle here. And spoiler alert, my three fits in the middle. It doesn't affect the timeline of Saw very much. I didn't go balls to the wall and just be like, fuck it, bin the rest of them. This is the last I one. <laughs> I did actually try and keep it within the constraints yeah. of the, the timeline. Yeah, yeah. I thought of ways to do that, and I thought, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, d we'll I don't think that. any of a, either of us would have particularly minded if you were like, yeah, I don't care about the Saw Four timeline, so fuck it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they like the thing about the Saw films is that they're so designed as experiences. From from two thousand and four to twenty ten, six solid years, you had these films coming out 
just before Halloween every year. And they are so designed for that experience of watching it in the cinema and going Ooh, uh, at the, the at the sight of the torture stuff, and then having that final thing where you where like you know supposedly you get your mind blown by the twist, and so you come out of the cinema going like, oh, I didn't see it coming <laughs> that it was at the same time as the other thing, like oh my god, and oh my god, it was the bloke from the other one, yeah, what? oh my god, he can't was believe that, it, it's like oh, I can't believe that he did that thing. And they want that that very specific moment because that way, the 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 people who are also in the cinema hear that hear you going, oh, like that sounds like they're coming out of there talking about it. Let's go see that, you know, next tomorrow or whatever. Um, <laughs> and that's and that's yeah, kind of exactly. the moment that's that sticks with you, and you forget all of the nonsense, just like grimy bullshit that goes on, and the dull, terrible performances. Um, and and you kind of feel for the like, obviously the answer is well, don't stop fucking making these films. But you do kind of feel bad for them that they were like, <laughs> oh, that's the correct answer. Yeah, yeah. Like when it was a big success and the producers turn around and the execs and stuff and they were like, okay, let's start pumping out more of these motherfuckers because they're cheap to make and they make a bunch of money. Like you started with a killer. Welcome to horror franchise. Yeah, you started with a killer with an inoperable brain tumor. Like you can't <laughs> keep using him because you're going to strain credulity if you're like, well, he's still hanging on in there. And so you have to start having this like, ah, he has an apprentice, but that's not the real apprentice. And now he's going to test the real apprentice because it turns out there was a real, real apprentice. And that's the true legacy. of. And it's like, Oh my god, like we get it. You kind of fucked yourself because you can't just have like John Kramer. There are at least keep... four apprentices in the canon yeah. that are like central main canonized except there are more than that. But even to the point where they get to fucking jigsaw after and I quote saw the final chapter. <laughs> when they get to jigsaw, they're like well, he can't be in this one. He's been dead for five movies. Because, yeah. spoiler alert, he dies in three. Yeah. So it's like, well, how can he be in the eighth movie? Flashback, motherfuckers. Yeah. This film is nothing but flashbacks. Why is this franchise... Oh, the franchise is obsessed with flashbacks. It's because all the interesting shit happened when this dude was alive. Yeah. <laughs> and this dude dies like 85 minutes into the third movie and you have another six films to worry about. It's like, right, okay, so... Spoiler alerts for Jigsaw, I guess, because fucking hell. It's the original survivor of one of his first traps is his, like, original, original apprentice who has actually been secretly carrying on his legacy, and it's also ten years later. And you're like, what? we already had a secret apprentice who survived the traps, who then betrayed the other apprentice who survived the traps, who then was finally killed by the other apprentice who survived the traps. I get that he's this kind of messianic, like, fucking, I don't know, not Christ-like, but devil-like, I guess, Lucifer-like figure. Kind of cult leader, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's got the robe, he's got the voice, he's got the weird, like, indoctrination methods and all this kind of stuff. I get that. But fuck off with all these different apprentices and accomplices and all this stuff. And they're still doing it eight films in. It's like, ah, oh, but... There was another apprentice, so here's a flashback. And we we dragged poor Tobin Bell out again for another fucking movie. And he's like, can I please just retire and just do literally anything else with my life? 
because I cannot stand having this fucking soul patch on my face for another second. I've had <laughs> enough. Have you guys seen the uh, much maligned 2007 film P.S. I Love You, starring Hilary Swank and Jared Butler? <laughs> yes? Where are you going with this? I, I have not. I know the premise. Jared Butler plays Hilary Swank's partner and he dies of a brain tumour. In his dying moments, shall we say, in his last few years, written her a load of letters. So basically he says about how, you know what you do? You should go out with your girls. Have a really good fun time. I've got you tickets to do this. Okay, I've got you a trip. You said you always wanted to go back to Ireland where we met and I've bought you a trip. Go out there, have some fun, live your life. P.S. I love you. Okay, this is the final one. It's very important. You need to move on. This is the last letter. I'm gone now. There's only one P.S. I love you film. <laughs> because he's only had time to do all the letters and tickets and things like that. <laughs> but... If if it was a Saw movie, there'd be nine of these films. I, w I wish there were eight sequels to P.S. I Love You. Yeah, and he gets, it's like another load of letters. And it's like, P.P.P.S. <laughs> I love you more. Turns out he was also a bigamist yeah. and had like three other wives <laughs> who each got a set of letters. Yes. And then in P.P.P.P.P.S. I Love You. Uh, he, he, he was an Irish Mormon he, with six he wives. He sets the wives against each other and it's down to who is the final wife who will survive. <laughs> This is exactly it. And it's the idea that one <laughs> crossover at the same time. Which wife lives? Live or die? You decide. And then one of the wives who got killed off in that sent letters to her secret second husband, Tobin Bell, <laughs> and said, become a serial killer. Oh, oh, Boys, oh, my God. I'm glad Here you like go. it. I'm glad you understand my metaphor. <laughs> Um, so my so my pitch. Um, I didn't fix this one because it's what we've done. Recast Jigsaw. It's Gerard Butler. <laughs> it's everyone's played by Gerard Butler. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> oh yes, here we go. Now we're talking. Um, before we, I uh, get into synopses in a second. I know we're uh, rambling a little bit, but I wanted to quickly talk about box office numbers because, as we said, it's low budget stuff. Starting with one million dollars for the original Saw. Mm -hmm. That's how low budget that film was. Um, it made $104 million. <laughs> I was like, ah, well, that, that's a good return on investment there. As you said, Matt, $10 million is about the sweet spot they seem to hit. So they go up to $4 million for Saw 2. And you're like, okay, cool. $147 million. Like, okay, still going up. Then $10 million, We hit the $10 million spot for Saw 3. $165 million. Okay. 10 million box office again, uh, 10 million budget for Saw 4, 139 million. Sure, still loads of money. Still at 10 million again for Saw 5, 113 million. 11 million box off, uh, budget, sorry, for Saw 6. This is where it drops off with Saw 6, thank God, with 68 million. Still a lot of money. That's still basically five times the budget, including marketing, all that bullshit. Saw the final chapter slash Saw 3D, the seventh one, budget of $20 million goes back up to $136 million. The, the reason for that being 3D. That's the 3D-ness, yep. exactly, yeah. Um, Jigsaw, budget of $10 million, made a box office of 102 and so far, roughly, because Spiral is on very, very limited release because cinemas aren't open at the moment because there's still well, a pandemic days, happening, yeah. budget of $20 million, has made just under 40 million. Yeah. So, yeah. In total, these nine films in the Saw franchise have made more than one 
billion dollars. That's why they keep making them, because you guys keep going to yeah. see them. On a budget, on, an, on a total budget of less than 100 million. Yeah. The entire franchise costs less than 100 million to produce. As we always say, that's not including marketing budgets and blah, 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 blah. But very, very roughly, they have made more than a billion dollars as a franchise. Fucking hell. <laughs> and that's before you get onto things like merchandise and there's a fucking saw ride and all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a bankable franchise. There's two video games as well. Two video games, exactly. There's, there's so much stuff and so much content. Yeah. And just, just sell it. The fucking, as I said before, like the idea that you need a figure, you need a thing you can sell, and Billy is it. Um, Tobin Bell just being an old man in a, in a coat. Tobin Bell's voice and Billy the puppet. That, by the way, is the creepy little clown puppet on the, the bicycle, tricycle, whatever it is, with the little spiral signs on his cheeks and stuff. Even if you've never seen a Saw film, you probably recognize Billy and you probably recognize the would you like to play a game kind of thing from Tobin Bell playing Jigsaw. Because it's been such a cultural phenomenon, such a pop culture thing. As you said, it, it's the footprint is hard on your face. <laughs> it's been parodied so many times. It, they did, a, as we'll get onto in a second when it comes to Saw 3, funnily enough, one of the like meet the Spartan slash scary movie seven or whatever the fuck scary that was, four, wasn't it? did a saw parody. Is a scary movie Pretty four? Sure. Yeah. Um, the the bathroom set they use in Saw three is from Scary Movie four, not from Saw one, because <laughs> 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 they then basically went. Um, yeah, you guys did a really good job of that. Can we just buy that from you? And they're like, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we need the bathroom again, and you've already done it, so. Seems kind of redundant to just remake it again. Yeah, fuck it. So, just in case you guys didn't know, Scary Movie 4, canon with the Saw universe. There you go. <laughs> right, so let's get into synopses, shall we? But don't worry, listeners, I'm only going to be doing the first three films. Otherwise, we're going to be here all fucking day, and this will be a six-hour podcast. So, I will synopsize the first three films... We will then discuss, the, the, I guess, the third one mostly, but also touch on one and two. And then we'll get to fixing three eventually. Anyway, starting off in 2004 with Saw number one. Adam awakens in a bath, in a dingy bathroom with his ankle chained to a pipe. Across the room is Dr. Lawrence Gordon with a corpse lying on the ground between them, holding a revolver and a cassette recorder. Both men find a tape in their pockets. Adam retrieves the recorder and plays his tape, which urges him to escape, while Gordon's tape tells him to kill Adam by six o'clock or his wife and daughter will be killed. That is basically the entire premise for the first film in the opening sentence. Yeah, when I started watching this, I was like, oh, I know it's Carrie Elways is, is uh, the, the doctor in the first one. Um, who's, who's this fucking Miles Teller-looking motherfucker? I don't recognise him at all. Oh, it turns out it's Lee <laughs> Whannell, the guy who wrote the film. It's Lee Whannell. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and who was in the, the, the original... Sh obviously, he created it mm. and co-wrote it and all that kind of stuff. And also starred and created in the short film that this film is based on. Yep. Blah, 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 blah. Lee Whannell is, is important. Adam is played by the creator, essentially, is what you need. To, one yep. of the creators. Adam finds two hacksaws and they try to cut the chains, but the saw breaks. Gordon guesses their captor as the jigsaw killer, a serial killer testing his victim's will of survival, 
through violent traps. Time for a flashback, because every <laughs> one of these fucking films has a flashback. Five months ago, Gordon, while discussing the terminal brain cancer of a patient named John Kramer, remember that name, listeners, <laughs> if you're not familiar with the Saw franchise, was interrogated by detectives Tap and Singh, who found a pen at the scene of one of Jigsaw's games. The pen with Gordon's name on it, because he's a fancy doctor. Gordon was cleared as a suspect, and after Gordon's release, Tap and Singh found Jigsaw's warehouse using Amanda's tape. That is the... Uh, the original, as I mentioned earlier, one of the original victims who managed to escape from the reverse bear trap trap. There, they apprehend Jigsaw and save a man from a trap, but Jigsaw manages to escape after Singh triggers a shotgun trap and kills himself. Because, of course he does. Yep. Welcome to Saw. Back in the present, Gordon's family's captor, unnamed character, we'll get to that later on, watches Adam and Dr. Gordon through a hidden camera. The house is also being watched by Tap who is now obsessed with the Jigsaw case and basically like discharged from the police because he's gone a bit mental and too obsessed with Jigsaw and also with Dr. Gordon as a, as a uh, suspect as well. Yeah, got his throat slashed by Jigsaw. Spoil spoiler alert, thing. Tim. Spoilers. Oh, I do apologise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Um, <clears throat> too, no, that's uh, Danny, I'm too old for this shit, Glover. It's uh, <laughs> fantastic. As, as detective tap. Anyway. Uh, parking garage. Uh, meanwhile, Gordon recounts his abduction in a parking garage by a figure wearing a pig mask. Again, remember the pig <laughs> mask, listeners. It's a thing. And it's explained in Jigsaw, I seem to remember, because he kidnaps a dude during a Chinese New Year festival and grabs quickly grabs yes. a pig mask and has to, like... Uh, it's, it's lame. <laughs> you don't need an origin story of the mask, but they're welcome to the franchise. Everything has to have an origin. Everything has to have an origin story. Thank you, Matthew. Adam also recalls his own abduction where he found a puppet <laughs> in his photo development room. Gordon's wife calls him on a cell phone and warns him not to trust Adam, who admits to Gordon that he was paid by Tap, were already convoluted, to spy on him and reveals he is being tested because he knows of Gordon's affair with one of his medical students. Adam finds a photo of their captor whom Gordon identifies as Zepp Hindle, an orderly at the hospital he works at. The clock finally strikes six. Zepp goes to murder Gordon's family, but his wife frees herself. Why she suddenly decides to free herself at six o'clock, we'll never know. The struggle attracts Tap's attention, and he saves them before chasing Zepp to the sewers, where he is shot in the chest. Gordon, aware of the gunshots and screaming, soars off his own foot finally. He always finally commits and actually soars off his fucking foot. <laughs> and he also shoots Adam with a revolver, completing his test of killing Adam and escaping and all that kind of stuff. Zepp enters the bathroom to kill Gordon, but Adam, having survived the gunshot, and that Gordon shot him in the shoulder, bludgeons Zepp to death with a toilet tank lid. Remember that toilet tank lid, ladies oh, and gentlemen? So That'll come back as well. As I said, Gordon reveals he shot Adam in the shoulder to ensure his survival and then crawls out of the bathroom to find help, dragging his bloody stump behind him. Adam searches Zepp's body for a key and finds another tape revealing that Zepp was also a victim of Jigsaw and is also being held account with some like poison in his blood or some bollocks as like you have a timer on your life as well. And yep, as the tape ends, the big twist, the holy shit, as you said, Tim, mind blown twist moment of the final movie of the first movie. The corpse in the middle of the room that I mentioned right back at the beginning stands up revealing himself as John Kramer, who is actually the Jigsaw Killer. John reveals to Adam that the key to his ankle chain was in the bathtub, and it kind of went down the drain when he woke up, so he's fucked. 
Adam attempts to shoot Kramer, but Kramer electrically shocks him with his chain for some reason. Mm. That's a thing. And exits the bathroom, leaving a screaming and helpless Adam to die alone in the bathroom. Game over. Except it's not. There's two more movies. <laughs> I think they really missed a trick when uh, Dr. Gordon finally decides to saw his foot off, that they didn't have him look straight into the camera and go, as you wish. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I'll tell you something that's... Um, before we go on to the next description. Um, this, this is like, as I said, like Star Wars, like everyone else. So this first film is very contained. It has everything you need to know about all the characters, quite simply yeah. put. Quite, quite literally. Chambers. Yeah, quite literally, yes, because it's got to be a chamber piece. But every time the film starts to branch away, every time the franchise goes in a different direction, it always comes slingshotting back. And there are things like, well, it's not a Saw film. We don't see this. We talk about Jason Bourne in the same sort of way, where it's like, wow, well, is it a Jason Bourne film? It doesn't have X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah, but we've seen that movie seven fucking times now. Maybe we should do something different. It's like, ah, but if we do something different, people complain. And one mm. of the ones that really fucks me off is the fact that this first film was released in 2004 based on a short film years prior, a couple of years prior. The technology doesn't really change yep. much. It's all lo-fi fucking CCTV. And I can't stress this enough. Tape recordings. Fucking VHS recorders little, and tape recorders. Little, yeah. yeah, and little tiny uh, audio tape recorders. Like, where are you getting these dictaphones, motherfucker? Where are you getting these tapes from? In I know it's like, oh, we've got you know so many different versions and so many It just it just really fucks me off. Even when they do try and say, like, oh, we've been taking this, you know, audio stems from things and we cut them up as someone who edits a fucking podcast. Bullshit. But that's for later. That's for later. <laughs> just fucks me off. Yeah. I like the idea that, that John Kramer just raided Maplin before he went off on his <laughs> tirade and was just like, yeah, got everything I, I need. I've got five dozen micro cassette recorders and all these tiny little tapes that nobody will no ever use No one can play again. them, but it's important I've got them. <laughs> yeah, it goes from being kind of almost <laughs> contemporary, but like slightly, you know, slightly old fashioned technology that like, you know, oh yeah, of course he uses this, he's an old man, to almost going around to being retro again <laughs> because the films yes. go on for so long um yeah yeah it's always been and pointed it, it, out that smartphones are the killer of horror and it's like you know because you can solve almost every problem and so you have to like take the smartphones off people and gps tracking and everything else everyone's got a camera and yada yada, yada. yeah and i'm amazed in like how many fucking films they so rarely ever think about addressing that but that's because mostly as i said before it orbits this one movie like a fucking comet Everything yeah. is before or after, just like circling. It has to kind yeah. of tie into this one thing. Everybody's actually tied into the, you know, every fucking character comes back three times to say, oh, turns out you didn't know everything. It's like, I didn't need to know everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you do wonder like how fucking busy John Kramer was fighting cancer, but also engineering like a dozen different things at the same time to fit into what like once you actually put the timeline of these films together and go like hang on how much did he do in this like three week stretch kind of thing but tim he's got a bunch of secret apprentices so he doesn't actually do <laughs> half of it like loads of it is secretly done by seriously there are when you see if i doubt you will but if and when you see four five six seven eight nine yeah 
there are flashbacks to you see Amanda go and set up the trap in Saw 1 and then you see Gordon flashback and see him talking to Hoffman who set up a trap in 4 yeah. that is shown in 6 and revealed in 7. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> None of this. I, I know he's an apprentice. It's fucking been hinted at for like three films now. We know. He's still got to organise all that and in a lot of cases make sure that like, okay, you've got to go and you've got, I've got, I'm designing this trap. You've got to come and collect it at 6.13 because you can't cross over with my other secret apprentice who's arriving at 6.20, you know, and I need to give you this. Like, it's like, okay, you've got to go now. Yep. Don't turn around because he's coming down this. Okay, now you take this thing. Now you fuck off because I've got to go and operate. You you take the stairs. Yeah. He'll come on He'll come on the elevator. <laughs> as long as you don't cross paths, everything will be yeah. fine. I will, I will say one thing in defense there about suspension of disbelief, because we're going to definitely come back to, to Jigsaw and Kramer and his worldview and his, his physical fucking supernatural abilities. But most importantly, as an audience, we are willing to suspend disbelief for a handful of things. One is Father Christmas um, and Elf Helpers. We're okay with that <laughs> in films. Thing number two in films, we're okay with a guy, usually a guy, unfortunately, um, juggling nine fucking mistresses and they're all arriving at the same fucking time. It's every fucking sitcom sort of like, <laughs> oh shit, I gotta you get, get back, get back yeah, in the fucking yeah. cupboard. It's the exact same principle, uh, is what I would say in its defense. But also I still think it's bullshit. And it's and it's and 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 yeah, as Jack has described, it's very frustrating to watch because it does that thing in in uh, the Bourne legacy where one character walks out of an office in one scene into another office seven years later to do another scene where they're talking about how, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. actually on a phone call to this guy. Then you go back in. It's, it's very clearly a reshoot with a completely yeah. separate team. And if team. you did it on the day, that's fine. It's clever. But it's supposed to be a transitional shot from a thing you filmed from the previous thing. It's like, you didn't think this ahead of time and film this. So when he walks off set from Saw 4, and walks onto the set of Saw 6, he's aged four years <laughs> because there's four years between... I'm, I'm obviously making the numbers up, no, yeah. but you, you get what I mean. Like, it's very clearly shot by a completely different team or, or whatever. Like, it, it's very strange. Anyway, on to Saw 2. A police informant named Michael awakens in a room with a spike-filled mask locked around his neck. Michael has one minute to cut into his eye and obtain a key. But can't bring himself to do it and is killed when the mask closes. At the scene of Michael's games, Detective Alison Carey, remember that name, finds a message for her former partner, Detective Eric Matthews, remember that name, and calls him in. Matthews joins Carey and Officer Rigg in leading a SWAT team. You remember Officer Rigg for Saw 4, which we'll not be talking about, <laughs> but he's important later on, but we won't Everything be talking about is it. Everything is important. Every character comes back and yep. he was supposed to be in this one, so he's going to be the main guy in the next one, but that happened at the same time as this one, so it's all, it's all tied together and all makes it fuck off. Anyway, he's leading a swap team to the factory which produced the lock for Michael's trap. They've tracked the origin of the lock. There they apprehend John slash Jigsaw, who indicates computer monitors showing eight people trapped in a house, including his only known survivor, Amanda Young, remember that name, that's the lady who escaped the bear trap in the first one, and Matthew's son, Daniel. The other victims are, and I'll just list the names, we'll get into characters later on, mm -hmm. even though they barely have characters, Xavier, Jonas, Gus, Laura, Addison, and Obi. Apparently, apparently, because I don't believe this, 
A nerve agent is filling the house and will kill them all within two hours. But John assures Matthew that if the Matthews, sorry, his name is Matthews, not Matthew, not you, Matthew. <laughs> no, I'm good. John assures Matthews that if he follows the rules of his own game, he will see Daniel again. Matthews agrees to buy time for the tech team to arrive and they try and trace the video signal. Apparently, again, antidotes are hidden throughout the house and victims must complete tests to acquire them. Xavier ignores a warning note and he uses a key provided with the cassette with a cassette on the door which triggers a gun which shoots Gus in the eye because for some reason Gus was looking through the peephole at the exact <laughs> same time as the guy is turning the door even though that makes no sense and why you would try and shoot somebody and who who <laughs> has a who looks through the peephole as they turn a fucking key in a lock and it happens to be the other guy who isn't oh god already problems anyway Gus is dead, shot in the face. Once the door opens, they search the rest of the house and find a basement where Obi, who helped with the inductions, he's a sleazy little dickbag, is killed in the furnace trap uh, while trying to retrieve two antidotes hanging down. And he sort of escapes and like his top half gets out, but he's still burnt to death for some reason, even though nobody tries to open it. And I, I well, yeah, this, this trap is shit. In another room, Xavier's test involves digging through a pit filled with syringes. My worst fucking nightmare. This is the one everybody remembers from Saw 2. Oh, the needle pit. Yeah. Dirty syringes. Gross. I'm deathly afraid Did of needles. Did you hear about on set how they obviously replaced them with fibres so they could be really safe? Yes. Except the fact that somebody had accidentally chucked in some of the actual prop needles and said, oh, so they had to clear them all out and check them all before putting them back in. Yep. Fucking hell. And there's like... 8,000 yeah. needles, quote-unquote syringe or something like that, and they had to yeah, double-check all of them to make sure they're all real. Yeah, it's a it's a ridiculous number. Um, but yeah, thank God they did, I guess, rather than just <laughs> chucking an actor onto actual yeah. potential needles. Um, speaking of chucking actors, Xavier doesn't do the test. He grabs Amanda, a former junkie, and throws her in instead. She actually does manage to find the key and gives it to him, but the dumb motherfucker doesn't manage to get to the door in time and just goes, no, whoops, the fumbled it. Oh, well. <laughs> Fuck you, Xavier. He's an irritating fucking character. <sighs> they also work out that each of them has been incarcerated before, except for Daniel, who happens to be the son of a cop. And Jigsaw reveals each of them was also framed by the corrupt Detective Matthews, which is Daniel's dad. Oh, my God. Xavier finds a number on the back of Gus's neck, and after realising the numbers are a password for the safe, which also contains an antidote, he kills Jonas and begins hunting the others down. Laura succumbs to the poison and dies, not before finding the clue, revealing Daniel's identity as Matthew's son. Addison finds a glass box containing an antidote, but her arms become trapped in the openings which are lined with hidden blades that go the opposite way, so you can go up, but you can't come back down, and they start cutting into her wrists. Xavier enters the room and leaves her to die and reads the number on the back of her neck. Amanda and Daniel find a tunnel from the first room leading to the dilapidated bathroom. Amanda, pointing out that Xavier can't see his own number, makes Xavier cut it off from the back of his head. And then before Xavier can finish them off, Daniel slits him his throat with the saw from the first one in the bathroom of the first one. Because we have to come back to the <laughs> saw in the bathroom because this franchise is called Saw. <laughs> Finally, Matthews 
assaults John, he beats the shit out of him, and forces him to lead him to the house. Kerry, the other detective, realises that the game in the house took place days ago and before they captured John. And when the time of Matthew's games expires, it reveals Daniel inside a safe in the same room. He was there the whole time. Oh my god. There's the big twist at the end of the film. Great. Unaware of this, Matthews enters the house alone and makes his way to the bathroom where he's subdued by another pig mask wearing motherfucker. He awakens, shackled at the ankle, to a pipe with a tape recorder because it's the Saw franchise. This one left by Amanda. Oh my god, she's a secret apprentice. She reveals she's become John's accomplice after surviving her first trap and helped him set up Matthew's test during the game in the house, intending to continue John's work after he dies because of his terminal brain cancer. Amanda then appears, seals the door on Eric Matthews, and leaves him to die as John hears his screams outside and smiles and does the whole game over thing, but much, much worse than the first time. <laughs> <sighs> right. Everybody still here? Everybody still with me? Still on people board? People are dead. No, nope, People good. are dead, Jack. People are dead. Get ready for more people to die. On to Saw 3. After being left in the bathroom to die, Matthews doesn't cut off his foot, although he thinks about it. He smushes his foot <laughs> with the toilet tank lid and, like, jimmies his wet little noodle out of the shackle because it's fucking gross. Flash forward. Six months later, because the timelines in these films makes no sense, the aftermath of the Jigsaw game is discovered by Officer Riggs. Hey, Riggs is back. Everybody's favourite character. Where the victim, Troy, or this guy, had to rip chains from his body to escape a nail bomb. By the way, just as a weird little aside here, the nail bomb's facing the wrong way. Yep. <laughs> weird. The bomb is on the side facing him. It should be on the other side, so he gets hit with the nails. I watched a video breaking down all the traps in excruciating detail. There's a lot of problems. <laughs> anyway, Detective Kerry, we mentioned earlier, like I said, remember the name, points out that the room's exit was welded shut, breaking Jigsaw's modus operandi of giving his victims a chance to survive and learn the appreciation of life. While reviewing the videotape about this at home, Kerry is abducted and awakens in a harness hooked into her ribs, known as the angel trap. But despite being able to retrieve the key from a beaker of acid and unlock it, the trap inevitably kills her. Also, inescapable trap, that will come back later. Dr. Lynn Denlon is abducted from the hospital she works at and brought to the bedridden John Kramer. His apprentice, Amanda, locks a shotgun collar around Lynn's neck that is connected to John's heart rate monitor and will detonate if she moves out of range or John dies. Lynn is instructed by Amanda to keep him alive until another test subject has completed his game. The victim, Jeff, a grief-stricken father consumed with the vengeance after the death of his son Dylan in, the drunk, in a drunk driving accident, must undergo a series of tests in an abandoned meatpacking plant. There's an origin story for the meatpacking plant in Saw 6. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to confront those involved in the incident. No, seriously, there is. He has a bit. John has a business partner that he buys an abandoned meatpacking factory for, yeah. and they ex they explain it for some reason. And it's the fucking Star Wars prequels <laughs> where Anakin built C three PO, and I want to blow my brains out. Everything is the most important thing. It's worth pointing out that um, the Saw franchise turns into kind of a uh, 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 sequelizers all stars uh, by this point. 
because you've got you got Robert the Bruce. You've got, you've got uh, yeah, you've got Angus <laughs> McFadden as Angus McFadden. As, uh, yeah. uh, uh, fuck, I can't even remember his Thank name. Jeff. Jeff, and you've also got Dina Meyer as Detective Kerry, who was of course in Starship mm-hmm. Troopers. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a cast, all right. Jeff's first test leads him into a meat freezer where he finds Danica, the only witness to the death of his son and the accident, who refused to testify in court. She is naked and chained inside a metal frame which begins spraying her with ice-cold water. It might be something else, I'm not entirely sure. Seems to be just water. I'm not sure. Jeff is able to retrieve the key after Danica persuades him to help her, and he loses some cheek flesh in like a weird fucking uh, dumb and dumber moment like yeah. so this is my least favorite trap because it's stupid he just has to put I his sleeve against his face against the pole <laughs> and he won't freeze himself and then he can free the woman he could, he could just pull his pull his little yeah. fleece thing up and just hide every his, chance yep. this motherfucker gets an ally he's like mm, i forgive you after the fact you're dead <laughs> so yeah he, yeah he yep. might be the yep. dumbest, per- like even allowing for the dumbness of the people in Saw Two, he might be the dumbest motherfucker in this franchise. I've got to go be Scotland's yep. dad. <laughs> yep. Too busy dreaming about making Robert the Bruce a few <laughs> years later. Let's carry on. <laughs> yeah, but of course Danica freezes to death, and he does the little poker in the face, and she cracks, and she's like all glassed over and horrible. In his next test, Judge Holden, who presided over the trial of the guy who hit his son, is chained at the neck at the bottom of a vat. He's like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Rotting pig carcasses <laughs> are dropped into a grinder that slowly fills the pit with pig guts and blood that's like this horrible brown green colour yeah. that just makes me... Ugh. Uh, but Jeff saves him by burning away his son's toys in like a vending machine for some reason. <laughs> don't know why gets the key and then like and then goes down and frees him just in time before he drowns in pig slurry and and guts and horribleness jeff's third test involves timothy not you timothy don't worry a driver who accidentally killed dylan the drunk driver who is in the rack a personal favorite which is a trap that twists his limbs and his head back one at a time and it's real gross i would argue this is the most violent of all the traps in this movie by a considerable Yeah, way. I'm more so than the it's, fucking it's reverse bear trap. Yeah, yeah. The key is tied to the trigger of a shotgun. Oh, I have so many problems with this. That goes off after Jeff retrieves it, that somehow kills Holden in the background, <laughs> even though he wasn't like, oh, by the way, I'm just going to pull this thing. You Watch might want to step out of the way yeah. of the line of the fucking shotgun that is Dumbass. pointed very specifically down this box. If he had been six inches to the left or yeah. right because it is a long barrel shotgun in a fucking tube yeah. and you can just be like literally take two steps back and you'll you'll yeah. survive also it hits him on the right side of his face and he turns around and he's dead on his left <laughs> side of his face continuity listeners continuity can you tell i've seen these films too many times and i'm nitpicking oh anyway it kills holden for some fucking reason and Timothy's neck is violently twisted back, and it's real fucking gross. Everyone's dead. Jeff's a moron. He hasn't saved anyone. Happy days. Lynn now must perform brain surgery in a warehouse with basically no equipment. 
to relieve pressure on John's brain because it's expanding because of the cancer or whatever. Basically kind of like a meningitis-y kind of thing. But I mean, it's more, it's more like fucking actually, trepanning, if I'm honest. It's like the whole, we're going to just it is, relieve yeah. the pressure. It's like, okay. We've got to it's, get the demons it's, out of It's a brain. real thing. And <laughs> it, so the reason they were allowed to keep this scene in, which is in fact the most it's gory the scene thing, of the entire yeah, movie, yeah. is that it's medically accurate and actually possible and is considered like graphic scenes of surgery, not graphic yes, scenes correct. of violence yes, yes. and all that kind yes. of stuff, which is a separate classification in both the US and the UK in terms of yeah, being able yeah. to like classify documentaries mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This is that that scene and is included in the BBFC classifications and stuff contains strong language, scenes of a violent nature and graphic surgery images. You're like, wow, they actually, yeah, yeah, they actually do include that. Surgery detail is mm. maybe my least favorite thing to see in a film, yeah, but here we are. We got pit we got pits of needles and realistic brain surgery. Jack's happy place. Uh, the gory but very realistic surgery is successful very quickly. And Lynn convinces John to order Amanda to remove the collar. However, Amanda refuses because she gets weirdly jealous of Lynn because John like touched her arm twice. I love you. P.S. I love you. Yes! <laughs> well done, Tim. Well done, Tim. Uh, John Kramer turns into Gerard Butler, writes his <laughs> dead wife a note, and it all gets a bit weird. His wife's not dead. Spoilers. Um, he does write his wife a note. Another point. Like, carry on, because you're all right. Yeah. <clears throat> he, he does. She's number six of the envelopes, Matt. Oh, remember that? From, from Saw 5 and Saw 6. Yeah. She a package remember a Hoffman? Yeah, the other guy. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Uh, he also has a tape recorder in his, sealed in wax in his stomach. Fucking they find tapes. it in an autopsy. Because of course they do. Amanda gets jealous, threatens Lynn's life, uh, and... During their dispute, John pleads with Amanda, who admits she no longer believes in his philosophy. She calls him a murderer. He calls her a murderer. The father-daughter dynamic is ruined. Blah, 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 blah. Amanda shoots Lynn in like a really pathetic little like, I'm not even going to look side shot thing that she's like. (laughs) But it makes sense later, Jack. Jesus. If you knew the fucking. No, it doesn't. Well, no, but the retroactive (laughs) try and make it make sense. They, oh, they do that all the time. Um, she shoots Lynn just as Jeff arrives. Oh no, turns out Jeff and Lynn are husband and wife because, oh my God. Um, uh, the latter, who's revealed to be Lynn's husband, as I said, retaliates by shooting Amanda with a gun provided by John. And basically he gets these little notes of like, face your anger and gets a magazine for a gun. And then he gets a gun and it's like, let go of your fear or whatever the fuck it is. This weird little pointless Perform notes. Perform these three tests yeah. and then you will be able to do an animality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, he shoots Amanda in the neck with the gun. Uh, as Amanda dies, John reveals that Lynn's test was actually for Amanda and was aware of her motives and unwilling to allow a murderer to continue his legacy because she made those inescapable traps we talked about in the beginning of the movie. John decided to test her. He then addresses Jeff, offering to call an ambulance for Lynn, and accepts and asks him to accept one last test, either killing John for all the things he's put him through, or forgive him. For some reason, Jeff goes, fuck it, I found this circular saw that is not the same saw that she used for the surgery, and just goes, Bzzup, and doesn't do like a big, horrible, like giant circular saw through thing. It's a very neat little yeah. cut across <laughs> this old man's Throat very, for some very reason. Very light, we can bring him back later cut. 
very light kind of we can bring him back later scar on danny glover kind of <laughs> cut it's just like sure whatever um anyway he slashes john's throat and then realizes oh shit my wife's shotgun collar is attached to this guy's heart rate monitor he didn't by the way he like hugs her and it's like oh my god oh no you've been shot doesn't go what the fuck is the shotgun collar yeah. all about <laughs> never mentions that once He's doesn't say oh my god doesn't realize when she's got new jewelry exactly exactly sorry uh and yeah and this activates lynn's shotgun collar her head explodes in again a very graphic horrible way um and the room is sealed shut ish we we explore that later on in another film as well for some reason um before dying finally john takes out a tape recorder and he like pulls it out of a little wax thing next to him um and informs jeff that his daughter was also captured and he was faced another test to go and find his daughter i'm gonna i'm gonna go for a nap <laughs> and, a, and and a whiskey don't because if you do you'll pass out and then when you wake up you'll be in a room yep <laughs> Some pink mask motherfucker standing behind you, offering you the glass of whiskey. That's that's no way to talk about Matt. I I okay. I'm gonna jump in here. I'm gonna talk about some positives and then some real fucking negatives. I maintain that much like all of these horror franchises of the past, there tends to be a very enigmatic central figure who, acting wise, like with Robert England in the in the in the Freddy. Mm franchise sort of stuff nightmare on the street uh doug bradley with the hellraiser stuff um tobin bell as uh jigsaw slash john kramer he's always magnificent he's he's always good in that he he's a great villain off screen he's so sparingly used in the first one which makes him scary the second one elements of him make him more interesting because he's a quiet figure and he's so obviously, it's the whole like, I'm meant to be caught kind of thing, which was a very big thing in mm. the 2000s. This was all part of my plan to be trapped and caught. I always knew it would go this way. Yeah, that's a bit weird, but okay, we'll allow it. Third film. I'm dying of this thing and I need help of my final traps. Okay, fine. Um, he's, He still sells me on it. He's still a very, he, he is a presence in these movies. Um, Then you get to the fourth movie. And you get so much backstory about this man and he becomes nonsense. In addition to Tobin Bell knowing the character through and through and doing a great job and then being paid a fortune to come back to do like three seconds and then a bit of voiceover work and then being the most compelling thing in the fucking film. <laughs> there is a twisted integrity to Jigsaw to start with. The idea that he has this whole, the traps are there, much like in Seven, arguably, um, where you are given a, a choice and it will give you a new lease on life because I've given this to you. I, the twisted psychopath, will say you've experienced something negative and now you can genuinely appreciate your life because you are better for it. You can atone for your sins to me, um, which is egomaniacal. That, that's, that's not a hero. That's not someone we should look up to. This gets more problematic the more it goes on and tries to tie back into him because as we mentioned, giving him a brain tumor is a bit of a problem because they have to keep writing him into, oh, well, he did this just before he died. He did this just before he got sick. He has five fucking helpers. And he, it's like, how is he strong enough to do this stuff? He's, he's just a very strong old man. It's like, okay, well, how is he smart enough? He's, he's a, got some old man strength. <laughs> yeah, he has that old man strength. And he's got, you know what? He's, he's got a lot of intelligence because he used to design buildings. And like, okay. It sounds like he's always been building up to being this psychopath because you don't just have like, mm. you know, I always denied insurance and then I, it's, it's, you know, Breaking Bad is plausible, 
but you know, by the end of it, you realize Walter's always been kind of a fucked up kind of guy. He just needed an excuse to be this kind of fucked up. Um, and we, while we analyze bits of his past, we don't really get into it. So what you end up with is a character who starts off really compelling and ends up really nonsensical because he becomes effectively immortal in multiple ways, super sort of super strength, super speed, omnipotence, and becomes very infuriating in the same way that the Dark Knight, the more you break it down, the more you start realizing Joker doesn't actually make any sense. You're like, hang the fuck on. This doesn't work at all. But you go, it's fine because it's suspension of disbelief because this man dressed as a bat is going to punch him in the face. It's fine. Whereas this movie actively everything hinges on this weirdo who's doing these crimes and he's doing them all simultaneously and he's seen five steps ahead of all the police all the time and the frustration becomes that the third film and the second film try to say something about the cycles of abuse and it talks about the nature of Amanda being this first of many henchman slash replacement slash um imitators copycats and and you know carrying on the torch for legacy but also it does this thing where it's trying to say but you you she's not the same she's been put through this exp he he chose this life he chose this experience because he was dying in insurance and he lost his you know his baby and all that sort of stuff that comes out in the fourth film yada 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 he's fueled by a miscarriage by the way tim that's his whole yeah I he then kills himself by driving off a cliff but he doesn't die, and then he has a new appreciation of life, and then and then he turns into Which again is, is, is kind of John Doe in Seven. At least John Doe admits though he's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. The difference is that while the performance is always entertaining to a degree, it becomes ridiculous when you got like four pig mask motherfuckers being up one of the henchmen saying, "Ah, you thought you were the fucking top dog. It's us fucking five or whatever it is." And it's like, "I'm lost. What what's going on?" And this is the the problem. The convolution becomes so twisted and tangled and wheels within wheels that it, it it's it you can follow it. There are so many fucking videos on YouTube that tell you how to follow it. But the problem is that you don't want to because it doesn't actually make any sense. And so it's like, "Wait, who's this guy?" Well, actually, if you didn't know, he bumped into Tobin Bell once in a lift, right? So John Crane was in a lift, right? Yeah, get that, okay. And he was going just about his day because he was, you know, working with his his wife who has a center for for rehab for, for drug users, right? And he's building a building for like, you know, um, low-income housing, yeah. And you accidentally farted in the lift, okay? Is that it? Yeah, that's your connection. That's how you're, that's how you're linked. It's like, oh, uh, that's for bullshit. And it, it's like, oh, yes, but also that means you can become the henchman and you will become the helper and you'll be blackmailed because you survived the... Uh, it's just so fucking annoying. And while I said before that Amanda's character does start to lean into the whole, like, you know, she's not going to be the same as him. She, 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 uh, uh, Jigsaw gets very angry with her because she designs these new traps where there was no way of getting out. And that's not the same. You have to have. You have to be. You have to suffer. Or the, uh, sorry, to to misquote uh, Mission Impossible Fallout: the greater the sacrifice, the greater the peace. The idea that you suffer more and you learn in blood. Not always true, but that's his twisted logic, and I can understand that. I can see where that's going. I can see where the the writing is clever enough that you're like, ah, okay, I get, I get it, I get it. The problem is that you 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 can force that on as many people as you want, and I like the idea that as, as Tim kind of mentioned in the start with his with his quote. Just because you've had that epiphany 
doesn't mean everyone else can have the exact same experience. You can mm. walk away from a movie and say, shit, that fucking changed my life. Another person saying that was dog shit. That didn't change anything in me at all. I didn't, I didn't feel anything. That's the same principle. <laughs> but this is where it becomes really, really problematic because in 2004, when this film came out, the saw the first one, just some guy saying, you know what? Society's failed. I'm going to correct it. I'm the one. Vigilante style. Really cruel, twisted vigilante. Because I've got three months to live and why the fuck not? I'm, I've got some money. I've got time. Um, so you literally get neither of those things, you fucking idiot. But then it becomes a whole like, right, so who are you punishing? And the second, third, fourth, and it sets a trend for this sort of thing. As Jack will probably attest when he has to sort of fix these things. It sets a precedent that the people he is punishing are people who have gone to prison, mostly. Corrupt police, people who've overlooked certain things, you know, establishments, yes, fine, you know, you're, you're the specific contractor who, who took the, 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 the blueprint for this building and said, no, we're not going to make a hospital, we're going to make a condo. Oh, get in the fucking trap. The, the second film especially is, and then the third is like, well, who are these people? Well, you're, you've repeatedly been in and out of prison. Yeah, I feel that's the problem of a broken justice system and a really crap society. I don't know if you're actually going to fix this by literally punching. It's yeah. the Batman thing of like, We're... how do we fix this poverty thing? I'm going to punch these criminals in the face. Eh, you're not really helping the fix anything. Yeah, it's the same with the fact that he like Amanda is a is an addict when we're first introduced to her, and it's like. Yeah, I don't think this is an effective treatment for addiction <laughs> of like, yeah, you've got you've to stab this guy or I'll rip your face in half. It's like, I don't think that's, you know, people talk about, oh, wake up calls can happen at various different times. Don't think this is, this is going to be one. It's just going to, you're just traumatizing people more. Like, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like, you're just giving people PTSD on top of all their other problems. Precisely. And just because he drove off a bridge and survived, that's awful, obviously. I'm not invalidating that experience, but that's not the same as, you have to carve out your own eye where I buried a key. It's like, hang the... How did yeah. you go from, oh, we're a really wonderful couple. And, and this is the thing, when you see the flashbacks of, like, him talking to the insurance guy in film fucking six or eight, whatever the fuck it is. And uh, the insurance guy is like um, saying, oh, well, we got these policies. I wrote an algorithm and it says, like, you know, how long will I left to live? Plus this, plus the returns policy. And I've decided it saves us money. And he goes, so you basically hold their lives in your hands. Mm. That's not like just a nice character having a conversation at party, but that's what we're supposed to believe it is. It's like, ah, he's plotting for eventually when he becomes this fucking serial killer. And that's the key point here. The argument back and forth in three is actually quite interesting. It's badly executed. In fact, the film's quite boring. But Amanda and Jigsaw, or John Kramer, having this whole, you're a murderer, you're being tested, fuck you, you can't judge me, you're a murderer. That is brilliant. That is like all... um. In, in a weird way in like, in like fascist politics and dictatorships and obviously with serial killers which involve company the more people you bring in on this the more egos the more it will self-implode because of grandiose importance of like no I'm God you can't be God because I'm God and I'm gonna kill you that makes me double God and like what are you <laughs> talking about you fucking idiots there's a woman with a shotgun shot around her she's a doctor yeah but you know we're proving a point to somebody I don't yeah. think you're proving a point to anybody She's got problems in her marriage and this'll help fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no. Was it? Is it? Will it? Yeah, it's an interesting thing that like 
he's, like you said, he seems to start off with a very clear moral code. And I watched an interesting video on uh, Wisecrack, the YouTube channel, where they broke down mm. the philosophy of Jigsaw and how it's rooted in like basically like extremist Christian ideas of justice, like biblical justice, where if you commit a sin, you are stoned to death. Oh, that and puritanical must, bullshit. Yeah. You must, yeah, puritanical madness that is like you must repent for everything and you must learn your appreciation on life through struggling and suffering and all this kind of bollocks. And it's like, I get that, and I can totally see, you know, logical steps from there. But the series makes so many jumps, and they try to explain it so many times. And I think that's why Hoffman, who is the essentially the the second main bad guy he's the main apprentice of he's basically the bad guy of four five six and seven essentially um he's the main kind of successor to jigsaw and john he's the most interesting character because he starts off like out for just revenge and he's essentially a copycat and then john recognizes him as a copycat and essentially lures him yeah. in as like ah oh, yes i see you you've uh, he killed, again, spoiler alert for Saw 4 and 5 and 6 and whatever the fuck. He kills the guy who killed his sister, basically. his Her drug addict boyfriend got her into drugs and she died because of it and all this kind of stuff. And he, the, the pendulum trap, you've probably seen that, listeners. Uh, the inescapable pendulum trap, he murders him through that and makes it look like a jigsaw thing by cutting out the little jigsaw out of its flesh. All that kind of stuff. Obviously, John then works this out. And Hoffman is an interesting kind of dark professional because he's also a fucking detective. And he also spends the, basically the whole series as the lead detective on the Jigsaw case after Tap, Kerry, and uh, Matthews are killed in, in one, two, three. Uh, and he is like lauded as this like police hero and all this kind of stuff, but he's actually the apprentice. That's a really interesting thing. And then there's a bunch of things where he just murders people for no reason. And it's like, mm, okay. And they do really clever I'm about things. To be with... caught. Better slice everyone up in this room. <laughs> yeah, they do really clever things with the audio. So there is a um there are hints that Hoffman is the accomplice and apprentice in four and five before he's revealed. In that they mixed Tobin Bell and Costas Mandalore, who plays Hoffman, who has the best fucking name in the world, by the way, <laughs> Costas Mandalore. It's Greek Australian, isn't he? And yeah, I know that's not his full Greek name, but that's his acting name that he goes under with uh, SAG and all that kind of stuff. Um, they mixed their audio together for the "Would you like to play a game?" thing. Oh, so it, it like every couple of words, it like interchanges between the two of them or plays them both at the same time, and they're pitch shifted to match and stuff. I'm like you have put so much effort into this. That's so clever. Where's the other cleverness yeah. <laughs> in the other five fucking movies that have gone so far? This, this um, basically what I'm trying to say is this franchise has potential for really interesting topics and to tackle really interesting things and have this, essentially, like you said, this messianic like cult leader fucking vigilante guy basically be like Rorschach from Watchmen and be this really weird interesting analysis of what a vigilante could be in the 21st century turned into a serial killer and this skewed idea of his justice and all this kind of stuff and then it just goes fucking off the rails and does a bunch of mad shit and is like and as you said matt it's all about traps what's the best thing about six? Oh, i really like traps what's your favorite bit about five? Oh, i really like traps and 
So, uh, do you like? Do you prefer Hoffman, or do you think Amanda's a better apprentice, or like who? Like, I really like traps. It's like fuck. This sake. is the problem, and it's it's a community issue, and it's the same thing with anyone who likes a certain franchise. If you start changing things, sometimes people go, "That's what I needed. This is what we needed. This was a, a breath of fresh air." Fuck yes, I love it. Other people say it's not what I want. I'm not going to go watch it, etc. That's why I thought the idea of a spiral might be interesting because it could possibly be a new sort of twist on it. But I don't know. I can't comment. But the idea, I can. It's not same old bollocks. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm surprised, but that's the that's the whole thing. And that's why I, I keep coming back to this example. Seven. Seven is a single movie. It is very clever. It is extremely well constructed on all levels. And what's more. The traps, as it were, the, the the deaths, you almost always only see the aftermath, but it's enough to be grisly and compelling and terrifying. People remember the fucking corpse slash it's not a dead guy uh, sitting up with the surrounded by the magic tree fucking air freshness. Terrifying. More so than anything of like the goriness of like a laser cuts his face so it turns into a fucking split mango. And it's like, oh, all right. Oh, that's so that's it so gross, but wild. like, not it's not no. scary. Like none none of these films are scary. There's no there's there's moments of tension and yes. stuff, but there's never actually like a and as and, and we talk about the the jump scare bullshit. The three of us fucking hate jump scares as a <laughs> cheap way to do horror stuff. And granted, these films do do jump scares with all the fucking pig masks and stuff. And it's like, oh, it's pig mask. And he'll grab you. Or she. Well, well, she might grab you as well. But there's this whole like, oh, oh, there's a thing. It's horrible. Oh, it's really gory and horrible. I'm like, okay, cool. Didn't, didn't scare me. Didn't interest me. Didn't like, oh, I can't believe he got so close to escaping that or anything. Like, for example... The, the the head laser thing is the I'm the apprentice and he takes off the, the collar thing in Jigsaw and is like, see you later, motherfucker. And it does a Resident Evil style lattice of lasers around this dude's head <laughs> and basically like banana banana splits his head. Which I still don't understand how it works a with the bone. There, and yeah, that's no. It makes no it, It's just this big floppy, horrible mess of brains and head and stuff. And it's like, for fuck's sake, this is... This is horrible. This is just gratuitous, horrible it, torture porn. It could be so much more effective if you didn't see the actual, a lot of the stuff actually happening. Like, once you've explained the nature of the traps, like, you don't necessarily, especially if you have good audio work, like, you don't necessarily need to see the thing trigger like the fucking like the the rib cage angel spreader thing like we see that go off like you could do that perfectly well having described what is gonna happen to her there's no need to actually show like the gory thing happening you can do it with sound and you can do it and it, and it will look better in people's imagination than it will ever and 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 that will be more tense um and then you know you can show the aftermath of certain things and be like here, like here's this thing, you know that you've come across, and then you and then the detectives put together like well how did this happen? Oh this must have he must have tried to do this thing, and then that that went off. 
like it leaves nothing to the imagination it in every sense like it fills in every hole in its backstory because it's so desperate to be able to connect everything back to the first film it it leaves no gore ungored mm -hmm. <laughs> you know every everything has to be like here is the thing happening now watch this thing happen it's really unpleasant and it's it's kind of robbing it of the tension because you're just you're just watching it becomes an endurance sport rather than an exercise intention building like it just yeah it just turns into a meat grinder yeah and it, it becomes very formulaic for an audience and that's the thing that, that, that to bring back to what jack said earlier people don't care about the characters people don't care about the characters names they don't care about the history and backstory they may recognize a familiar face like oh fucking carrie Ellis again great but really it comes down to Show me the, the the money shot. Show me the gore bit. Show me the bit where it goes. Even though the more compelling thing would be, and this thing I'm so, there are like nine of these fucking movies now, approaching ten. I don't think they've done this once, where a trap doesn't work, and then it's either a misdirect and it does later, or it just goes off randomly. The idea that it's like okay, here's here's, here's a suspension of disbelief. The first film, two people are tied. They're just just out of reach with this thing. Perfect. That's almost like the the the, the cruel nature of placing the keys to your freedom, just out of reach, just out of reach. And that that that's what it's supposed to be. That 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 mm. that agonizing frustration that the answer is in front of you all along. Then it becomes wordplay bullshit of like, look deep in the back of your mind. The numbers are there. Oh, you mean the numbers are behind my head? Oh, it was wordplay. It was a clever little riddle. Fuck. You, you sphinx bastard. <laughs> but then it becomes even more frustrating because of how, no matter how convoluted it is, everything goes according to plan with video game logic. It goes, every mm. trap fires exactly as he wants. And the most frustrating one is, is uh, Jack after Crypto, I think it's maybe six or seven with the barn. Jigsaw's the barn. Jigsaw's the barn. Thank you very much. Yeah. Because oh, that's right. Because it's the whole prequel, sidequel, fucking, yeah. It's eight. Right, so everything is so convenient. There's no random side traps. There's nothing that doesn't go off, as, as Tim mentioned earlier. There's nothing that doesn't happen. Every time someone steps, they've stepped into a trap. You fucking idiot. Everything was... He knew you'd step there, and then step there, and then reach for that, and then get that. And nothing is ever done, like, out of sequence either. It's always done in the exact order it's been intended to do. And anyone who's set up any sort of... Rude Goldberg yeah, machine. Yeah, Rude Goldberg machine, or even just a set of fucking dominoes, <laughs> or an escape room. It's like, you may to do oh, this, yeah, then yeah. this. Or given some fucking directions to go down the road, people will always do something that you would think subverts that, because they're not... Anyone who's run a tabletop RPG oh, for God. their friends. Oh, God, that's a prime <laughs> example. Being a DM, yeah. It's all mapped out. I know, I know as speaking, speaking as three dungeon masters here on the yeah, show, yeah, like yeah. we've run many games of D&D, and I'm sure all of our listeners who have played in and who have, have run tabletop rpgs over the years can attest to like right so i've got the, the starting village is here they're going to fight the bad guys and they're going to go off to the big town and they're going to do some shopping or whatever it's like uh we charmed the bad guys and they're now our best friends and we've started a party and now we're the mayor of the village you're like what the fuck yeah i didn't plan how do i yeah. how do i run a game where they're the mayor of <laughs> oh god what's going on now how do i do this oh jesus christ and yeah the fact everything is just meticulously ah. Oh, just as I planned, kind of thing. Ugh. Yeah, and the fact that it gets more intertwined and more interwoven. So it's like, I'm lying here in film three waiting for surgery. But also, 
I happen to have a manila wallet with pictures for someone who will come in within two <laughs> minutes and then take it and then go away in film five. And then in film four, I look over there and someone's got a wheelbarrow. That's important for the later films. Pay attention. And then and then in film seven, which is also a flashback for another time. I made this... Again, as, as Jack said, it's a DM thing of like, your party walks into a village and says, hello, I'm the mayor of this town. I'm going to fight him. Um, that was... You probably shouldn't do that. No, I've already started the fight now. I'm rolling. Oh, f- Fuck. There's a whole story where he's got to... Oh, he's dead. Right. Well, oh, shit. And you have to think on your toes. And that's fine, because that's fun. That's why usually these games become very much the most memorable things you do. But not for... Not for Jigsaw. Not for John (laughs) Kramer. Everything has to be exactly as he has planned. It's the idea of going on holiday with John Kramer. You see all the things John Kramer wants you to see at the time he wants you to fucking see them. There is an itinerary. You will stick the itinerary. Everything has to be followed. That sounds like going on holiday with you, Matt. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> I've I've seen your itinerary for your Japan trips, you jigsaw mm. motherfucker. Yeah, and you know what? I went <laughs> had a good time. <laughs> and lived. And they played a few games. Yeah, I feel like two is especially bad for the whole like if any if any of this had happened in a different order, like it would have been very different. Yeah. Because like like the the the, the razor box glass thing, like kind of only works because she goes into that room by herself mm. and tries to do it mm-hmm. while they're all fucked up on nerve toxin. Like, if they'd have gone to that room first as soon as they were out of the thing, like, they could have puzzled it out between the between the group of them, even as they are the dumbest fucking people <laughs> in the world in that uh, thing, apart from Angus McFadden. Um <laughs> But yeah, and it's like you say, like, like oh, the fact that the, the gun in the eye hole goes off and kills a guy, even though no one would ever, like, why would you be looking through the peephole while someone else is turning the lock uh, on the door? Yep. Like, be, like, that just... You know you're in a trap house. Yeah. <laughs> why would you do any of this shit? Yeah. Why wouldn't you, like, work together and be like, oh, you're going off to do the thing. So if you put your hand up and you can't put it down... I could also put my hand up and move the the blades yeah. away so you can slip them down. Or I, I stand I stand far away to the side, turn the handle as far away as I can, yeah, and then open the door and everyone gets the fuck back and <laughs> nobody and I mean nobody stands within direct line sight of a fucking door. Yeah. Because guns exist, you fucking morons. And it, it becomes so frustrating because it, it then becomes like we said, like the, the 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 people feel so stupid because because it keeps repeating these same scenarios over and over again. You just get so frustrated of just like why has like you're in these kind of like dilapidated warehouse scenarios. Why have you not just like grabbed a stick or a bit of wood that you're just like using to poke in front of you all the way around? It's like oh okay, like look, mm-hmm. they're glad glad I prodded that thing. Like glad I didn't set off that shotgun that was pointed at a thing, and like. Fuck anyone who says, oh, man, imagine, wouldn't it be so great if they did like a, a Batman film with the Riddler, but the, the Riddler was like doing like saw traps and stuff like that. It's like, no, get away from my movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that if you want that kind of movie where people go like very tentatively tappy, tappy, tappy through the room and getting sticks mm. and shit like that. Again, Cube fucking brilliant yeah. they, they tweak that immediately they have conversations yep. they don't know what's going on you don't know what's going on as an audience member um and they're like sucking on the buttons to keep saliva going and they you know, rip them off keep just saying going keep you saying mm. they're also chucking shoes into each room to see what there is and think oh it must be fine he's like no it's gas shit so they, they, you know they're mm. running out of things 
the closest it gets to being like that is Saw 5, where by the end of the track, yes, it is. Bits pieces, yeah. They have the whole like, ah, but if you'd all worked together, you would have actually been able to give a little bit of blood each and you would have had to like share the electric shock together. It's like, yeah, but they didn't. And you should have known they wouldn't because it's how they are. So, I mean, I think it, I'm it's five or six. There's one where the, I think it might be six where the guy's hanging from the cage. He's about to fall into a load of knives. And thankfully he lives a little bit longer. I'm like, yeah, but if he didn't, he'd be dead. And the other people would just be waiting around to die. It, it, it it all happens exactly even yep. when it goes wrong it goes wrong in the right way and as it were um and then, like in saw 5 they do the thing where like they realize <laughs> that all the all the they, okay they're on oh, sorry, fucking traps there are like little blades and strings basically and you pull yourself towards this box you smash the box to get the key and you unlock yourself and then one doesn't get there in time and she goes and she's killed oh no one down and then they later realize all the keys she, are the she, exact she's same she's back and decapitated she yeah. is and all the keys are the exact same cut and they're like skeleton key that works on all of them. And it's like, oh, well, if only you'd known to work together. It's like, right, first of all, fuck you. Nobody would logically think that. That's the kind of thing when you see those awful Facebook memes of, oh, how many legs are on these chickens? And then you realize that they've written, drawn it in a very specific way or like one apple plus one banana equals three so what's this puzzle and then you realize they've really ham-fistedly drawn a couple of bananas in there and you're like oh this is bullshit and it's like yeah i get it but if if the character's main desire from the first film is to teach people lessons to value their life a really irritating haha charades you are i'm smarter than you puzzle is just fucking annoying yeah. And that's what these films don't seem to understand because they don't care because let's face it the audience doesn't actually care the audience doesn't want the seven style riddle with the theology and all that kind of weird, like, you know, twisted God complex. They want to see someone's chest get ripped open and go, oh, fuck, it's a bit of insights. Oh, crazy. Assholes, man. Um, to spin off ever so slightly for like clever things, like, like the cube, for example, taking cube and, and doing something yeah. similar. I watched a film called Circle a few weeks ago from uh, 2015, I want to say, five or six years ago. Um, and it's a very, very clever psychological horror thing of, I think it's like 50 people and they are, uh, again, not spoilers. This is mm -hmm. like the first couple of minutes of the movie. They are abducted by aliens and they are all stood in like two rows in a circle. And every two minutes, someone dies. That's it. That's all they know. And there's this like orb in the middle that sends out this electric shock that kills somebody. And they work out how it works, who it's killing, why it's killing them, what the rules are, by doing experiments and trying to test the limits of this thing. One person puts their foot out of the circle they're stood on and the buzzer goes off. They touch another person in front of them, the buzzer goes off. But it doesn't kill them, it just gives them a warning. Somebody else steps out of the circle, they die. You're like, you get a warning, motherfuckers. After that, you die. You're like, oh. And then they each see these little lights on the floor and they start moving and they work out like, well, if it's moving in this way, then this means this thing and I can control the movement of the circle and the lights and stuff, then that's interesting. I can move it around and, and control it in this way and work out who lives, who dies. Do we need to decide? Do we get to decide? Are the aliens in control? And the whole movie is basically in that room and it's this group of people debating the value of human life and how it works and working out essentially this saw trap from scratch with no 
Hello, you need to do this thing in the next two minutes. Otherwise, you'll die. Don't forget to appreciate your own life. <laughs> forget any of that. There's no, there's no alien voiceover bullshit. It is just they wake up in this room and that's it. And it does a really clever job. And funny enough, because I was in the sore mood, I looked up like, oh, what was the similar to sore stuff? And I was like, okay, cool, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a really clever way of doing that thing of having this one big trap actually let people work out and explain and test the limits of it and without spoilers learn how to solve it or do they yeah it's it's very fascinating and interesting twist on this kind of thing without the horrible gore as well yeah i watched uh one of the escape room films that was made uh i think the better of the two i believe there were two that were both called like escape room or one was called escape and the other one was called escape room um and that had that puzzle element and was was less gory than saw and more focused on like yeah like let's watch people like try and escape and and actually act in a smart way rather than be as dumb as possible because that makes our villains look smarter like actually it's more interesting if your protagonists are smart because then even when they then still fail it makes the villains look smart um we should probably get around to fixing but i do want to say fuck saw 3 in particular because they have like in the terms of the progression of the films um dina meyer's character who has been a detective from the first one who has been the one who has actually been like Hey, we should take Sussing all out and stuff. We should take this saw guy seriously. Like we like the, these crimes are all connected. Like these are the, piercing together piecing together how it works. And then they just needlessly kill her off 15 minutes into the into the third one. Yep. For basically no reason. Like just to get her just out of the way. Because of that cool trap, basically. Yeah, because they want to put someone in that cool trap. And it's like I, I mean, I don't know if the setup, like how you would have to go through the, what hoops you would have to jump through to make the setup so that it's her instead of Angus McFadden going through the stuff. But like, why is she not the protagonist of the third one? Well, Tim, that's an excellent <laughs> question, my dear friend. And let's just say she doesn't die in the first two minutes of my version. And there's a little tease for you. Good. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. We've been using it for a long time. All of the ads you've heard on the show over the last year or so have been through Podgo, and they're really, really great to work with. I highly recommend them if you're a fellow podcaster who'd like to monetize your podcast. They basically provide a flat rate and an ad space on your, on your podcast, so you always know how much you're going to get if you include an ad from Podgo itself, as we're doing now, or one of the other sponsors they list on their platform as well. You can apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Let's go podgo.co. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And uh, don't forget to mention the sequelizer sent you in the how did you hear about Podgo section because we get a little bit of kickback and you get a little bit of kickback and we scratch each other's backs and everybody's happy. So uh, everybody gets to monetize the podcast and everything's better in the world. And you get paid for podcasting, which is a difficult thing to do these days if you don't have a huge audience and you aren't just some random comedian or celebrity starting a podcast and then, oh, I don't know, inventing podcasting in like 2019 <laughs> like Conan O'Brien did. Not that I'm bitter or anything as a guy who's been podcasting <laughs> for 11 years. 
Thanks, Pod Gang. <laughs> so before we fix this, um, it's time to do Rotten Tomatoes. Now there are nine of these things. Don't, don't you, don't you dare! <laughs> don't you dare! We're and gonna be I here had, all day. I had, a, I had an instinct, an urge to do all of this shit. I've decided, very magnanimously. You're welcome. Not to. Just to just to do the first seven. <laughs> you will appreciate your life going forward now because I chose <laughs> oh, to do I this. Oh, I see. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Fucking now we now we appreciate it because we don't have to. <laughs> so basically, I'm going to have these guys guess the first three films, and I'll just tell you the next six, seven, eight, nine, whatever the fuck it is. So, Jack, Tim, hello, Saul. <sighs> it's not going to be very high. I think it got mixed. Results from the critics would be my guess. I'm going to guess 58%. Okay, 58 from Jack. Tim, what about you? Uh, did Jack give a number? You gave 58. 58 is what I gave. I think it'll be slightly higher than that because I think there will be people who were like, ah, oh, something different in horror. I can't remember what was happening in like 2003 in terms of horror. Jason Bourne. <laughs> I mentioned noted that horror franchise. Jumpy edit. The Bourne identity. Well, it was all the editing that they had the very erratic uh, 2000 saturated look. Um, but yes, horror was coming out of the um, the sort of be the like post scream. Yeah, I know self-aware scream stuff. Yeah, and also the. Uh, revival of the universal monsters in the 90s so it was a weird time yeah so i think i think there would have been people who were like oh it's something different very tall low budget very grimy but does effective with what it does so i think it would have got about i'm gonna go with 66 percent 66 percent okay um saw two let's stick with jack first lower Forty-two. The meaning that's the, of the meaning everything. of life and everything. Yeah, exactly. Tim. Yeah, I think it would also drop. Um, I'm guessing they just keep dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Would be my guess. It drops by like five or ten every single time until yeah. we're into like single digits. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say it's, it's a weird one. Like the first one was a big hit. And would have got more attention. Then the second one comes along very shortly afterwards, and I think it would have got a critical drubbing. I think it's only going to be about thirty-two percent. Thirty-two. And finally, Saw Three, the last of the chapters <laughs> in this trilogy of films, right. capped off perfectly as a story. Jack. I'll steal Tim's answer for two for my three, please. Go for 32. Okay, Tim. Just like I said, knocking 10, 15 points off every single yeah, time. Yeah, I think at this point it wouldn't properly go super It's got downhill. a plateau, right? They're all just crap. Yeah. It'll go like 50, 40, 30, 30, 30, yeah. 30. <laughs> uh, let's say 25 for this one. Okay, your scores are locked in, gentlemen. If you're just joining us for the first time and this is the first Equalizers episode and you think to yourself... 
hmm, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that's a bit of a flawed system. We know. We know. It, it changes literally <laughs> we're, we're day to day. We're very aware of that. Yeah, there's, there's contemporary reviews at the time. There's modern reviews now. It skews everything. We know that even if sometimes they won't be reviewing the correct movie, but they'll have linked <laughs> it to it, so it skews the algorithm. We know it's flawed. We find it very funny. And it's a conversation talking piece about the nature of critical thinking. And that's why this is actually quite interesting, because Saw, Jack said 58, Tim said 66. Fascinatingly, for me, it's 51. Wow. That's the highest this franchise gets. Holy shit. <laughs> 51. Oh, dear. And I'm very surprised because I would have thought there'd be some people like Tim, so like outlining critics things, saying, well, this is just a bit fresh, a bit different. I, I think that's, I think the people scores are going to be way more like that. And I'm sure we'll get onto that, Matt. But the critics, I remember really, really did not like this whole torture porn movement and blamed Saw for it, and Hostile as well, as you touched on earlier, Tim. But yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I'm, I'm trying to remember, when did Hostile come out? Was this, would, would that have been pre or post the first Same Saw? year, I want to no, say. Hostile like, was 2005, wasn't it? Uh, Hostile is 2005, so the year later. year yeah. later, yeah. Interesting. I would have thought. I would have thought if if Hostel was already out, I would have predicted that it would have a lot lower score because people would be like on that torture porn bent already. Anyway, so it's 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 the, as we will see as we go on. Funnily enough, Hostel has sixty one percent. It's higher. Holy shit! That's no strange. idea why. I much prefer Saw as a film to Hostel, but whatever. Yeah. So I I, I think again this is twofold. Um, I think this comes down to the fact that a, you have modern people reviewing this or modern reviews, which skews the the metric because people say like, you know what, there are nine of these fucking things. I hate them, and it's all because of this movie. I'll write why it's a bad movie. And thing number two, it's Possibly. not just horror fans who review horror films when they're the first ones. Hundred percent. It's yeah, generic. Like I'm from the Telegraph, and this is just disgusting. It's like, oh, okay, that kind yep. of mindset. Yep. So it's a lot more. It's a wider shotgun spectrum of like, bang, here's everybody's opinion. Saw two. Jack said 42, Tim said 32. 37. Wow. It's a more of a drop than expected, but then equally, no, it isn't because it started on 50 fucking one. Yeah. Um, and again, the numbers of how many people are starting to review these things start to drop as well. Saw three. 32 for Jack, 25 for Tim. 29. <laughs> now for us, I mean, sequelizes. Yeah. Uh, a 20-point drop? It's not that big. That's no. actually not that we've crazy. Had, we've had 70, 80, yep. 90% when we went from Mulan 1 to Mulan 2, 90-something mm -hmm. to zero. Like 40 to 50, a drop is, is quite typical for us. I, I often use the phrase, the, the classic sequelizers yes, drop off yes. at 50%. I'm exaggerating that slightly, kind of coining a phrase there. But yeah. A 22% drop-off between the first and the third film is actually pretty good <laughs> by sequelizer standards. Although we're starting at 51, so it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you guys scored very, very close. Uh, technically, your uh, the 37 is pretty much the middle, but it's just about just about eked out by by Jack. So so well done there. Ooh. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna run through some numbers now. I'm just gonna bombard yep. you with some shit. All right, ready? So let's start with let's start with the audience score. I think that's going to reflect people's actual opinions of these things. 
and they're fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like the Resident Evil one where it's just madness? Kind of. Yeah. Saw 84%. Yep. All I those kinda, horror, I, all those one, horror yeah. nerds fucking yeah. love it. Saw 2, 59%. <laughs> That's a I agree. I agree. I don't like Saw 2 very much. Saw 3, 71%. <laughs> I prefer Saw 3 to Saw 2, as I oh. said. So, yeah. yeah. Saw 4. I'm a man of the people, it turns out. Who knew? 62%. Uh, Saw uh, 5. 52%. <sighs> Saw 6. 55%. Uh -oh. What? Okay. Yeah. Saw the final chapter. The lowest scoring. 41%. Wow. So the lowest scoring of the first seven is in 3D audience one. score is almost as high as the highest scoring in the critic <laughs> score. <laughs> correct. Correct. Right. It gets weirder. Jigsaw. Oh, no. 89. The <laughs> highest scoring for the audiences. Fuck all the way off. Again, I think it's 2017. It's come back and a handful of people. Well, not a handful of people, but you know, Jigsaw's not fans, a good movie. It's not as bad. Spiral is currently sitting on 76 for audiences. Spiral's bad too. Yeah. So, critics. We know it's 51, 37, 29. Does it go down? Does it go up? Do we get another 89? I, I, I think, think it's going to go down. It's going to go down and plateau, mm. surely. It doesn't, it doesn't mirror the audience one. It bounces around as well in a oh, weird okay. way. Saw 4. 19%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Continuing that trajectory. Saw 5. 13%. That's the lowest scoring of them all. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Saw 6. 40%. Interesting. What? The second highest scoring. 13 to 40. To 40. And the second, second highest scoring of this six. franchise. Saw, the final chapter. 10%. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. It's got that 3D working for it. 3D, 3D rage. It's, it's the classic. Here, do you want the sword to cut your leg off? Oh, you can't wow. have it. <laughs> oh no, it's coming out of the screen. Jigsaw. 32%. Yeah. Yeah. Spiral. 36%. Sure. It is a really really weird franchise to look at the numbers for. And again, it's not that we're saying this is accurate. It's not that saying it's an actual percentage of its worth or quality. We're saying how the fans who are worth, not worth, fans who are going out of their way to write reviews and the critics that are stuck around to review these things, because let's face it, major publications aren't writing reviews for Saw 6. Because by that point, you're either fucking sipping the Kool-Aid or you're not. You're either sold or you aren't. Now, maybe Jigsaw, you've got enough people come back saying like, ah, it's been 10 years or eight years, whatever the fuck it's been. Let's see how it is now. Oh, uh, it's still dog shit. Um, <clears throat> but it could have been worse. Could have been that final chapter 3D, bollocks. So yeah, it, it, and also with something called the final one, people go out of their way to review it to say, well, apparently it's the last one of these things. I'm fucking yeah, good. exactly. Glad yeah. it's in the fucking nail in the coffin. In the same way that Spiral will have a lot of people reviewing it because it's like, well, it's a return to form. It's any good. It got Samuel L. Jackson, Chris Rock in it. Turns out it's dog shit. That kind of thing. So it's it's a weird set of numbers. It's very strange. Now we said earlier, 
that if Tim or I were direct, uh, sorry, doing the pitch here, I'm pretty sure we would have said, very interesting, very interesting. So you've got how many films? We've got an extra eight follow-up this or seven, sorry. And they're all intertwined. They're very connected. It's very important who is who and where they are. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to bin all that shit. <laughs> Whereas Jack has managed to wedge his in, like, like you say, like my Star Trek pitch. I'm, I'm not losing Star Trek 6. It's a beautiful film. I'm going to make this work. So you two have made <laughs> it work. And I'm, I'm, you, you know, I'm not losing you know, Saw 4. Uh, it's a beautiful film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I refuse to compromise. Uh, you know, we talked about how each one of us is due one of these like, mm. oh no, oh no, I don't like that. Why did you do that with that pitch? I'm very worried. This is my one of those. <laughs> this is my pinhead moment. Like, you said that so many times this season. Oh, I know, I know. And so far, it's been but, fine. So far, it's been no issue at all. Mm, yeah, how's it though? Um, <laughs> so, Ron Tomorrow's out of the way. Let's discuss the pitch. Uh, this is probably the least I've ever changed a film for sequelizers. Interesting. Interesting. So it's, it's, see, see the reactions, no, 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 listeners. No. If you could see the the raising of the eyebrows of my okay, co-hosts right okay. now, I, th- I think it's um, interesting because th- we we haven't had one which is basically like a I'm just going to do a few minor tweaks. It just needs a bit of a fix. I haven't done that in ages. Yeah. I haven't done that in. But ages. it's a thing we do sometimes. That is exactly what I've done here. Jack, you've just changed the title from Saw 3 to Saw 3, the end, but nothing's changed. Everything's the same. (laughs) Saw 3, final chapter. Because Saw 3, turning that into Saw 3D, like they did with Piranha 3D and Jaws 3D, totally makes sense. It's 3D and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) I just just do Saw 7 in the place of Saw 3 and we're done. Admittedly, the brain surgery in 3D would be horrifying. Yeah, the only oh, thing God, that could improve yeah. the brain surgery is if, like, blood was just gushing out that, in 3D. You see that little piece of skull come out in 3D, <laughs> and that the brain membrane there, just like all in 3D. Oh. Blech, he reaches out to um, touch this cold, frozen corpse of the lady, and the screen thing comes out of the audience. Oh, like, oh no! I can oh, fucking God. picture yeah. it too. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yes. So, been. title Saw 3. Brilliant. Love it. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, keeping Darren Lynn Bozeman as the director as well, because he's the director of two, three, four. I think he's either Jigsaw or Spiral. I he's can't remember what. It's Spiral. Yeah. Um, he's my friend on Facebook. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Look at <laughs> you, Billy Big Bollocks, with your connections in Hollywood. <laughs> we, we, could, we can tag him in the post for this thing and say, hey. I didn't bin you off, Darren. <laughs> Carry on, mate. We slagged off it your wa- film. But... It, w- it wasn't one of those like, yeah, fuck you in your film. It was actually yeah, like, yeah, true. no, yeah, Jack kept you. Um, what I'm also keeping is basically the entire cast as well, which is very, yeah, very interesting. I'm, I'm more than happy to discuss alternatives to the cast, but essentially all of the characters in three, give or take a couple, are in my version Basically, I've rejigged a few things, reassessed some character motivations, uh, like re- un- disconnected some things that don't need to be connected, reconnected and hinted at things further on in the thing that aren't set up in the earlier films. All that kind of stuff. So you have Tobin Bell, obviously, Jigsaw, John Kramer, Shawnee Smith, also playing Amanda, Angus McFadden as Jeff, uh, Bahar Sumek as Lynn. Donnie Wahlberg, very briefly, thank Christ, as Eric Matthews. Donnie Wahlberg's garbage. He's so, he's, bad. He's so bad. He's just a poor man's Mark Wahlberg, and I hate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> that that Mark Wahlberg is the thirty-five percent, and then going down to the ten percent of final <laughs> chapter is my is my Donnie Wahlberg. Um, Dina Meyer uh, as 
Detective Kerry, uh, Umfa Koaho as Timothy, who is the, the 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 guy who kills Jeff's son, um, Barry Flatman as Judge Holden, um, Lyric Bent, who becomes interesting later on as as Daniel Rigg, he's briefly in this film as well, um, Jayla Rose as Troy, uh, Deborah Lynn McCabe as Danica. Costas Mandaloras Hoffman again becomes a more important thing later on, but he's very small in this. Um, is he in the third? He's not in the third one, is he? He oh, is, is in he the third one. The third yes, one. he is. He's he's with Kerry when they inspect Troy's right. okay. um, thing. Yeah, they really sow the seeds that they don't actually sow the seeds <laughs> for. He's in it, but like, there's no hint at yeah. him, and that's basically what I'm going to try and fix. Mm. Is like, oh, there's a little something else going on here. Did you bring I'm Darren's gonna, dog in? Because he's in yes. four. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. Three minutes three and making a, a key player. Yeah, yeah. So, essentially, it's going to be a very similar movie, but I'm going to tweak mm -hmm. a few things. I'm fascinated by this. Something I haven't done. I'm trying to think when I last did this. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't know if you have. Your Blade pitch was very similar to Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically the same. Uh, we used to do it back in the day. We often get the... Uh, one team when the two closer. when the two teams yeah. were competing, yeah, exactly. You'd get the balls to the wall team and the actually let's tweak and fix the original team. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever done this. You I tend to no. go fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking this from the fifth film and this from the comics, mm. and there was yeah, a novel yeah, that was yeah. kind of based on it. And I'll take bits of that and bits of that, sew them all together, and make some horrible jigsaw See, contraption. I was fully expecting I know we're not going to get we're getting pitched in just two seconds but I was fully expecting this to be a very interesting one from Jack not saying this won't be interesting from Jack because I thought well Jack does the research as you say he gets into the law and so on and so forth and there are comics and video games for this I'm entrenched thing. in the law yeah. Matthew and, and also I'm knee deep in the law <laughs> these films do end up following a bit of a video game logic of like you go from room to room you fight the boss you do the thing you do solve the puzzle the ceilings that's like oh, you're almost a Joel sandwich as the ceiling comes down <laughs> and you know do you get the key in time and you go oh I'd solve the little puzzle I'm out of the room in the next room oh god now there's another thing to solve it's very video gamey but you make it better yeah. and I I'm I was convinced you'd do something dramatically different because of that I may or may not have taken some elements from well, the video game that's what I'm saying I, I find that interesting that you've so, so, I have played the first video game as well. It's not good. No, I can't imagine it would be, to be fair. But I'm curious, and feel free to tell me to piss off if this ruins the pitch anyway. Do you need to tweak anything in the following Saw films, or does this let you go and slot nope, this, this slots in. There wow. is a very, very, wow. very tiny little tweak. Well, yeah, because obviously but, so much interconnection that you have. Like but because of how Saw 2 ends with Matthews in the bathroom and all that bullshit, and then how Saw 4 runs in and saw five picks up with um oh god the fbi agent guy finds oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. jeff and shoots him because he had a gun and this whole thing mm. blah, blah 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 everything essentially still happens this somehow some way slots neatly into the thing to the to the point very very similar to my thing pitch but nowhere near as complicated and i was nowhere near as invested i made a I made a tracker of who needs to be alive and who needs to be dead by the end of the film. Because certain people do not show up in four or five, so they must be dead. For example, Jigsaw has to die. <laughs> there is no other way around it, because he's not in the other fucking movies, except mm. for a million fucking flashbacks. So he's he, in every he has single... an autopsy in the fourth Exactly. One. He's in all of these fucking movies, because it's always a fucking flashback. Mm. 
But yes, people who die have to be dead. People who are alive yeah, are yeah. still alive. Amanda still has to open the box and read the note, which is linked back to someone later saying you have to do this or I'll expose. I'm, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a bit worried that you guys are going to hate this, that some no, no, of the no, no, listeners no. are going to hate curious. this. I'm curious. Maybe even Josh Miles, who picked it on Patreon, is going to hate this. <laughs> and I, I wish I had Saw 2 because I could have gone just mental. But I, I, I wanted to do something a bit different. I wanted to do something that is constrained within the restraints of the series. And basically make it a bit make it make a bit more sense. Like I said, give the characters a bit more motivation and not have them just ambling around killing themselves for no fucking reason. I'm hopefully I'm ready. Get hopefully. to it. Let's get to it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. After the events of Saw 2, Detective Matthews is trapped in the bathroom, as we know. He crawls to grab the torch and the gun in front of him, exactly as the original film, and searches around the room. He recognizes this must be another jigsaw trap and tries to saw his foot off to escape the champ eh, escape the shackle. He gets cold feet, changes his mind, and throws the hacksaw away. So far, so saw three. It's exactly the same opening. He finds a nearby toilet tank leg, pulverizes his ankle, and passes out from the pain. There's a little first bit of divergence for you. He doesn't solve the thing in two seconds and then fuck off. Mm. Detective Kerry investigates the scene of a suspected jigsaw victim. The victim, Troy, was a school vice principal who had been embezzling money from the school's funds. There's a little divergence for you. Yeah, I don't know why he's in a classroom in the first one. It's called the classroom trap. Yeah. Don't know. There you go. Yeah. He's welded in. He is connected to winches around the room, which are attached to tendons in his wrists, feet, and jaw. So it's the same trap. but it's Similar kind of thing. Yeah. No bomb, because that makes no that makes sense. sense. <laughs> These things are basically going to pull him apart That's limb from limb, to be head from head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. A two-minute timer gave Troy time to search the desks for keys to remove the shackles before the tension in the cables builds up and tears him limb from limb. Troy manages to remove two of the shackles, but the third key breaks in the lock. Ah, fuck. He panics, runs out of time, and his jaw is ripped off. Carrie inspects the scene and thinks that this wasn't the work of Jigsaw as the device was poorly constructed and the keys didn't work properly. She suspects a copycat. Carrie is also disappointed that the victim isn't her former partner, Matthews. Because she wanted him to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I like that because, again, it's the nature of like, it brings up the idea later in the films that, you know, his meticulous plans, things, because he's so infallible, it means when something goes wrong, it's like, ah, this clearly wasn't him. It's not the mm. the perfect signature. I, I kind of I, I get that. Yeah. This stage in the third film, I'm okay with that shit. Yeah, I must say, like that trap from the third film, um, annoyed me as well because they they make a point of like, oh well, he was welded in. There was no way he could possibly have escaped. Also, if you've got that hook going through your jaw, the jaw oh, is one yeah. of the strongest bones in the body. There's no way he that ain't going got nowhere. That out, like no, yeah. He was always, I mean, the, the film even shows him like, like, that's not coming loose. That mandible is, is there. Yeah. You are fucked. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Lynn Denlon is leaving work at the hospital and is abducted in her car by a pigmaster assailant. Goddamn pig masks. She awakens in an improvised surgery room with a shotgun collar around her neck and the dying John Kramer in hospital bed in front of her. Again, so far, pretty similar. So, so three. John tells her that she has been personally recommended as the best brain surgeon to help him, and that if he dies, the collar will be set off. Amanda appears. So that ties into Dr. Gordon. Dr. Gordon is the one who recommended That's Lynn. Saw 7. Uh, in Saw 7, yeah. yeah. He's revealed. There's a little foreshadowing of Dr. Gordon. Boy. 
because they don't fucking do that until seven. <laughs> oh, so you actually you do show that as well. That's nice. Yeah, okay. nice. Uh, not specifically oh, by no. foreshadow. Oh, you were recommended to me. Ah, like, uh, okay, 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 interesting. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. His previous surgeon was Doctor Gordon. Hence, got it. Know. Makes yeah. sense. Um, Amanda appears with surgical equipment she stole from a nearby hospital and tells Lynn that she must save John's life or her husband and daughter will die. They show a video of her daughter and say that only John knows where she's kept. The next video shows Jeff, who's about to undergo his own set of trials. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting. So There's a little showing... twist again, little divergent. So she knows about Jeff. And Jeff, right, because obviously... There's a twist in the third film, obviously, like, oh, bah, the kids, you don't realise they're married, therefore you see the photograph of the daughter, but you don't see she's locked away somewhere. So we've dispensed with that. That's interesting. Okay, okay. That's not the twist I'm going for. And interestingly, apparently, that was not the twist that Bozeman was going for either, even though it very clearly is. He says it's, most people will probably work that out in the first 15 or 20 minutes or so, and we're worried about a more emotional, impactful ending. I was like, I mean, are you though? Because that is the twist. It's very specifically the twist at the end of the third one. I agree. Speaking of Jeff, he wakes up strapped to a chair. Why does he wake up in a crate in the <laughs> third one? I don't know. It's a weird choice. Someone watched Old Boy. I'm basically, but well, yeah, I'm basically just trying to get rid of all the weird shit in the third one and just trying to make it a, make, make a it bit streamlined, make it work. That's, that's yeah. There's, sometimes we do this on the show. There's so much of the third film that is just Angus McFadden walking around like he's hungover and lost his keys. And you just want to be like, <laughs> well, get a fucking well, move he, on, he, man. He falls out of a forklift in a crate and like knocks himself out. So he's stumbling around with a concussion the whole time, you assume. Yeah. It's like, Fair. they never fucking address yeah. that, but it is. It's a weird thing. Anyway, speaking of Jeff, he wakes up strapped to a chair with a video of Billy the Puppet playing in front of him. So no... Fucking tape players were actually getting the video of Billy the Puppet and all that kind of stuff a bit more sore like. Mm. Billy explains to him how he closed himself off from the world after his son's death from a drive-by, little divergent there as well, and has neglected his wife and daughter. Billy tells him he must face his anger and learn forgiveness and appreciation for what he has in life. Or die trying. Jeff's restraints release and a two-hour timer begins on a clock above the door he must go through. Kerry arrives at the scene of another jigsaw copycat victim, Jean. Jean! Jean. Uh, she is, in fact, played by the lady who plays the ER nurse in Saw 3. I've just <laughs> repurposed her. Oh, okay. Uh, an actor called Jane Look. She is now playing Jean, who is a victim. Cool. Sorry, Jane. You're not a nurse. You're a victim now. But they're the ones people remember, so that's fine. Exactly, yeah. Way more interesting role. This device is a rib cage ripping angel wings device, ah. which seems to have malfunctioned. Very cool, very cool. Once again, the trap didn't work as it was supposed to and has only ripped one half of the victim's rib cage off. See, again, when it doesn't work out, that becomes more terrifying and more fucked up. It's like, oh. Yeah. Um, in a weird way. I mean, but even, even with these descriptions, as we do always on the pitch, you're assuming you're seeing the store that they're. Assuming you're seeing the Saw-style flashbacks of the victim trying to escape the trap, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as the cops wander around the scene, they're like, oh my god, he moved over here, and you see like, ah, ah, and he's like struggling yeah. and running around and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and you, you would see the same here as well, basically. What's his face it's still hand? edited in a, as if it's a Saw film, because it's a Saw film. Sure. And I, I think, uh, is it Hoffman? Yeah, Hoffman's in the, in, the, in, the, in the reverse bear trap, and the fact that he 
rips half of it, just a bit of his face rather than the whole thing. Yeah. Is more so that, that's bleh. the one that's the one John's wife puts on him in the yes, end right, at yes. the end of six and he escapes it, but it still just as it triggers, it rips off like half yeah. his cheek and, and when it doesn't work face. properly and it goes to shit that, that becomes more terrifying, but anyway, so, yep. so this like half ripped, half malfunction mm. thing sounds yep. more yeah, intriguing. The victim had managed to grab the key from a nearby vat of acid and unlock the device, but the trap hadn't fully unlocked and still triggered despite the victim passing the test. Oh, shit. There you go. Kerry is even more convinced of a copycat killer, putting together ties between previous victims, including Dr. Gordon, Adam, and Amanda. Kerry believes she's worked out who the Jigsaw copycat is, and possibly who Jigsaw himself is, but keeps it to herself as she doesn't trust some of her colleagues. Hint, hint, hint at corrupt cops, <laughs> because that's a big thing. It is. They don't hint at. Oh, by the way, that's a huge thing in Spiral. The 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 killer, the, the new Jigsaw, is go, he's going after cops, man. Oh, my God. It's a whole thing. Um, so, yeah, this is me laying the seeds for, obviously, you know Amanda is an apprentice. You as the audience know this from Saw 2. Um, and basically laying the seeds of like, oh, she's not a civil engineer. She's not making these traps as well as, mm -hmm. as John does. So there's some malfunction. She's fucking things yeah, up yeah, a little yeah. bit. Instead of the whole inescapable thing and it just killing Carrie after 10 seconds, playing with these little dynamics a bit more, keeping Carrie alive a bit more, because as you said, Tim, she's the lead fucking detective on this yeah. case and has been for two movies. Yeah. Why is she dead 10 seconds into this film? Anyway. Jeff proceeds into his first test. A woman is hanging by her hands on a podium. A video of Billy the Puppet plays on a screen reminding Jeff that this is Danica, the witness to his son's death who ended up not testifying. Billy explains to Danica that because she refused to testify and took a bribe instead, she will understand what it means to freeze on the stand. A vat of liquid nitrogen is revealed below Danica and the chains begin to slowly lower her towards it. Billy asks Jeff if he can forgive Danica and find a way to save her in two minutes. Adding a bit more dynamics to the... I like that. Basically motivation behind Jeff giving forgiveness, because the problem I have with the three people that you said, when he meets Danica, Timothy, and Judge Holden, none of them particularly did anything wrong. Like... There's no mention of like, oh, the judge is a corrupt asshole mm. and he should have given him life. And he was like, I don't know, I thought I'd just go easy on the kid, which he kind of probably should do because the guy's a young medical student and he made a one-off mistake, but Jeff is thirsty for mm. blood. So like, Jeff is, the, Jeff is clearly in the wrong yeah. here. So making these guys less likable, I'm trying to make Jeff's like path yeah. of forgiveness make a bit more sense. Especially in, in one of the later movies there's a car crash that happens because a kid in the backseat of the car is drunk who is literally a kid and you're yeah. like i think it's i think it's jigsaw again um and it's like it is that's everyone does stupid shit when they're kids and if someone again the driver in the seat turns around and gets distracted and they drives into another car and they blow up like tons of fuel or whatever it is. but the point is they're so tenuous links they're not like evil bad people and again it doesn't feel like they oh you are a bad person because you did this. Mm. It's this ridiculous idea. So are you making it a bit more like they actually had involvement? The bribe, for example. Someone who just says, oh shit, car crash, I, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to get involved, and drives off. That's f forgivable to a degree. It's, 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 not, not, yeah, it's, it's, human. it's not the right thing to do, but it's not like, you deserve to die. 
Like, and okay. it's a drive-by, and it's like a, a very different kind of crime, and a very different. I took a bribe to definitely not do this. Like, well, then, mm-hmm. yeah, not you were in, intimidated. You took a bribe. You know, mm. very different. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Danica screams for help as Jeff berates her for not testifying on behalf of his son. He's still an angry dickhead. We, you know, whatever. It's Angus sure. McFadden. He's always an angry dickhead. Danica is lowered into the liquid nitrogen feet first, and Jeff eventually agrees to help to pull the chain back up to save her. He tries to break the shackle holding her hands together, but it only ends up speeding the process up, dropping her further into the nitrogen. Fucking hell, Jeff. The lower half of her body is entirely engulfed as Jeff finally screams, I forgive her! I forgive her! And the machine stops. He lifts Danica up and out of the nitrogen, but her frozen legs and pelvis shatter as they hit the ground beneath them. Getting some nice gore into it, because I didn't think that trap was very Mm. gory in the original one. Billy appears on the screen again, asking Jeff if he's learned his first lesson, and reminding him that the two-hour timer is still ticking. So she dies from that, I assume. Oh, I yeah, yeah, I would assume so. She's not like going to be like, He's not going to be carrying around on a fucking backpack like it's Hellboy. <laughs> he's not C-3PO-ing. Yes. Uh, no, no. Good, okay. He's not got her well, like... All I need to do is put her legs back together again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's not the Wizard of Oz, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I presumed as much um, because, again, I, I can't imagine a version of Saw 3 where the judge and the naked lady, Danica, um, I think this one's fully clothed. Yeah, she's I'm not gratuitously naked, naked no. for some reason. With liquid nitrogen... Having clothes on basically does make a difference. You're no. fucked either way, so I'm going to have her clothed because yeah. I'm not grotesque. <laughs> and and that's kind of the point. Is like even if he had got those two, I was like, well, what do we do now? I've got a little band like teeth. Yeah. Like the judge just stumbling backwards, like, oh, better take a couple of steps back and get a shotgun to the face. And it's like, what the fuck? Anyway, right. So it's it's just Jeff on his own again. Poor old Jeff. In the makeshift surgery room, Lynn begins the preparation for John's surgery with some shaky assistance from Amanda. Amanda argues with Lynn, and eventually John has to tell Amanda to leave Lynn to do her work. Amanda storms off, and Lynn completes the gory surgery detail procedure of drilling yeah. and cutting into John's skull to relieve the pressure. John, delirious from medication, briefly opens up to Lynn about his philosophy and plan to help people with his tests. Mm. Interesting detail there. Not just my wife. Yeah, there's no flashbacks of the wife because that makes no fucking sense. Nobody cares. That's not relevant to this. But building that thing of him being a bit delirious and opening up for basically the first time and only time. And apparently there was originally a scene. And again, this is watching DVD extras and stuff, an interview with with the director talking about how there was originally supposed to be a scene where he breaks down and cries and like finally mm. realizes his legacy is now full of murderers like Amanda mm. and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I would like that. And then Tobe and then Tobin Bell told him to fuck off. Apparently. God damn it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that might actually be something I, w- I would like to include in my pitch. I haven't included it at the moment, but that mm. might be something I want to add in there as I quite like that as a final moment of repentance for the jigsaw killer kind of thing. But sure. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Matthews wakes up from smashing his ankle. Mm, coming back to to Matthews, couldn't resist Not a bit of Donnie Wahlberg. Yes, I could. Fuck Donnie Wahlberg. Couldn't resist another slice of the bird. But but he's alive in the latest Saw film, so I can't yeah. kill him. Annoying. Yeah, he has to do the whole thing in a corridor, doesn't he? He has to get crushed by giant ice blocks for some <laughs> reason. His head gets smushed by giant ice blocks. 
Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's the end of that's it's him and Hoffman and the other guy and Riggs comes oh, in and Riggs gets there too quickly because he's too good of a police out, officer. Yes, he has really long hair. He's been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then two massive ice blocks crush his head for some reason, and then and then Hoffman Hoffman escapes and basically reveals himself, sort of. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Matthews wakes up from smashing his ankle and is able to slip out of his restraints. He takes his flashlight and gun and crawls out of the bathroom and into the sewers hallways. He screams for his son and finds a metal pipe to use as a crutch as he searches for a way out. A pig-masked person lurks in the shadows behind him, slowly following him. Matthews realises he's being followed and strikes the attacker with his gun. They fight, but Matthews is eventually incapacitated when his attacker kicks his broken ankle and knocks him out with the metal pipe. Similar to the fight with Amanda, Mm -hmm. in that the kick of the leg and stuff is real gross and makes my skin go (laughs) every single time I see it. Question is, who's wearing the pig Mm -hmm. mask? A little bit earlier in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Jeff enters the second room and hears the screams of a man locked to the bottom of a tank in the room. Similar setup. Billy once again reminds Jeff who this man is. Judge Holden, who presided over his son's killer's trial and took a bribe once again, resulting in the killer not being convicted. Basically, I'm tying in some like gang warfare kind of stuff and sure. have the tying mm. a drive by to some bribes and having powerful people being influenced by criminals and all this kind of stuff. Jeff is given a test of finding a key to free Holden and forgive him, but he will lose a finger or two in the process. Basically, he's got to like squeeze his hand through a thing and it'll cut off a finger as he tries to grab right. the key. Rather than burning his son's things in a vending <laughs> machine for some reason. Makes no. I get letting go of your son, but like, come on, mate. That's not. That's not hardly a fucking sac. Not like yeah. jigsaw style sacrifice. That feels like it? an easy choice in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing the pig thing because I think it's a bit too gross for me. I'm having just normal blood fill the tank instead. Just, just regular. Just, blood. Maybe it's maybe it's pig's blood. Oh, I like the. But it's not. I think it's, it's not. It's not rotting pig With maggots. We can make it that. I mean, apparently, those are real maggots. By the yes, way, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That they're foam mm. fake pig carcasses, obviously, but they were coated in honey, so they had real maggots on them. Thanks, Saw production team. You I will say this much: they do one of these every fucking year, and they do look pretty good in terms of like the, they do in an age of everything do. CGI. There's so much practical effects, so yeah. Uh, there's almost there's almost no CGI in these films, yeah. pretty in terms of like the the traps and all that kind true. of stuff. Um, there is some fake limb CGI <laughs> later on, which yeah, is that's, not great. That's true. Um, uh, speaking of Gordon coming back, um, as I said, blood begins to fill Holden's tank and drown him as Jeff shouts at the judge for not prosecuting his son's killer. Jeff, once again, angry dick. The judge tries to defend himself and Jeff once again eventually caves and helps free him at the last second, but loses two fingers in the process. So Jeff has to make a bit more of a, a sacrifice there. Billy is happy. I don't know how the puppet shows mm-hmm. he's happy, but you know what I mean. It's happy to see Jeff has learned the lesson. He does his little laugh. Yeah, exactly and encourages the duo to proceed to the third room. One thing you might not have picked up on that I'm also hinting at, these aren't pre-recorded Billy the Puppets. They're reacting to what he's doing at the time, so somebody is watching. And we know John is in the hospital bed, so there's somebody Mm. else getting involved. This feels like it was very clever to link in certain audio things. It's all laying the Mm. things for the traps for the future (laughs) films and stuff. Yeah. 
Amanda returns to see that John is stable following his surgery, and Lynn asks for the shotgun collar to be removed. Amanda refuses until John is conscious, and tells Lynn to pay attention to her husband's progress. Lynn, who had seemingly forgot about Jeff, I mean, he's a bit of a shit husband. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. This Angus Wick fan, what can you do? During the high tension of John's surgery, rushes to the screens to watch. Amanda comforts John, and he briefly regains consciousness to whisper something in her ear. Rosebud. <laughs> Pig blood. Amanda nods and <laughs> takes a seat by his side. I missed the pigs. <laughs> Why didn't you bring the pigs? Did you get my dinner? What was it? Pig slurry. <laughs> pigs! The <laughs> pigs! Kerry finds the abandoned building where she believes Amanda, and therefore Jigsaw, is hiding. She enters the building and finds the first of Jeff's test and the body of Danica. She tries to determine what happened as another video of Billy the Puppet plays. Billy welcomes the detective and tells her that she's close to finding Matthews, but must hurry as time is running out, showing a timer with 30 minutes remaining. She's not a fucking moron in this one that just gets <laughs> killed and nice. captured. Good. Granted, she does like get captured like impossibly. Again, I watched a video about this. When she's captured in her room, she shoots the the wardrobe and stuff. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And the pig mask comes from behind her, and behind her is just her bed and yes. nothing else. So un unless either like they've been teleporting pig up masks. against up against the wall. Yeah, the uh, the guy on YouTube video I watched described it as like pig mask ninjas, where they just like <laughs> materialize through walls and just like ah, gotcha. That, that's always but the yeah, thing when you yeah. think of the shot or the scare first and not the logic of it. Um, it's why when you watch, and you think of the geography, and you're like, oh, yeah. Shit. It's why Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man is partly so fucking good because it's like, oh god damn, this makes sense and it's more terrifying because you end up staring at a blank spot, saying, "Am I looking at the killer or not?" But that's not the point. Jeff and Holden arrive in the third room, and they both recognize the man in the contraption as Timothy, the man who shot and killed Jeff's son, also co-host of Sequelizers. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Billy introduces the trap as the compactor. So it's not the rack, a slightly different version, which will contort Timothy's body into a small cube, like a car-crushing <laughs> compactor thing. One limb at a time, and eventually snap his back and uh, break him in two. This is based on the original design of the rack, which ended up being used in the video game, this is Jack doing the ah. research with the lore again, mm -hmm. called the backbreaker. And it does literally fold you like a sandwich and go and like squish you in half. It's real gross. This is my plan with this trap. There are four pistols, not shotguns, because that makes no sense and you can't dodge that shotgun <laughs> unless you're... Uh, yeah. Each the same as the one that killed Jeff's son, tying it back into the drive-by. A little bit of them thematic uh, connectivity there. At the end of the boxes with keys attached to the triggers. Similar kind of setup, but with pistols instead. Jeff must unlock each of Timothy's limbs before he's compacted. Not just one key, we're adding four. Jeff is able to stand to the side, like he does in the actual film, and carefully pull down two keys, while Holden, not stood directly behind him for no fucking reason, tries to help out, but is freaking out, and tries to slow down the trap, like basically wedging stuff in there. As you mentioned, Tim, there's debris everywhere. Grab a bit and try and yes. slow down the gears and stuff. He tries to do that, but Holden's an idiot, and he does get his hand trapped and uh, smushed a little bit. 
Uh, where are we? Uh, one of Timothy's arms is bent backwards and buckled, snapping the Ooh. bones. Nice, horrible, kind of like the rack thing. We see some gory bones poking through skin type stuff. Timothy, understandably, screams out in pain as Jeff tells Holden to help him. Jeff takes a bullet from the third gun. He's getting desperate and careless now and gets shot in the shoulder as Holden tries uselessly to free, free Timothy from his restraints. Jeff slowly recovers and tries to unlock the third restraint, but is unable to before Timothy is snapped in half and Holden, trying to get rid of the restraints, is also crushed by the same trap. A sign lights up, pointing to the exit, which says, Mercy bears greater rewards than revenge. I like that. Everyone, everyone who needs to sense. die is dead. Yeah. Holden dies without being a fucking moron, yeah. actually trying to help the kid and trying to redeem himself. There you go. I'm trying to make it make a bit more sense. Again, I don't remember which saw film it is, but there's one where the, there's the hair pulling thing and there's just like a winch. Yes. Going, and it's like, I'll shoot the gears. Just shoot the hair. And it's... <laughs> it's you could just start ripping the hair out. Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I just think, hold hold the hair and just start, start pulling. Yeah. And that's the key thing with this as well. It's the idea that um, you you if you're a decent human being kind of thing, which we assume they may or may not be, even in the moment of panic, like, oh, that, that was me five minutes ago. You try and, you know, that camaraderie. So yeah, that, that, that's good. And also he, he, he fails through his own onus as opposed to... Um, Arbitrarily being stood just, behind Jeff. Yes, yeah. clumsily oblivious. Yeah. Jeff proceeds through to the final room where he finally reunites with his wife, Lynn. John congratulates him. Very well done. And recognizing his voice, Jeff goes to attack the distinctive old man. voice. Yeah. <laughs> in his hospital bed. Lynn restrains Jeff, telling him that if he dies, she... This is important because it doesn't happen in the fucking... Yeah, never have this conversation in the real movie. Yeah. She will too, thanks to the shotgun collar. He's like, what? A shotgun collar? Oh yeah, obviously. There it is. John confirmed. Oh, I thought you'd done your hair or got new shoes. <laughs> oh no, wait, it's the shotgun collar. John confirms this and that if Jeff can show mercy to the jigsaw killer, he and his wife are free to go. Jeff begins helping Lynn to remove the collar, but Amanda protests and then holds a gun at them. She claims that they haven't been tested like she was tested and it's unfair for them to go free. Jeff begins scrambling with Amanda for the gun. Outside the room, Kerry hears a gunshot and rushes in. It's all converging. Mm -hmm. Kerry shouts to put the gun down and put their hands up as she enters the room. Amanda hurts Jeff's injured hand and wrestles the gun from him, aiming it at Kerry. A standoff between the two women is interrupted by John coughing. Lynn rushes to his side, which distracts Amanda, allowing Kerry to shoot Amanda. John congratulates Kerry on her detective work and tells Jeff and Lynn that there is one last test for them. Forgive him for what he's put them through. Kill the detective and they can see their daughter again. Kerry tries to convince Jeff to side with her and not Jigsaw, but her pleas fall on deaf ears. Jeff tackles Kerry to the ground, ducking under her shot. So Kerry's not a fucking moron, <laughs> as we said. She has actually worked all of this out. And I would like to emphasize this is not Jigsaw being like, oh yes, all as I planned. He's like, oh shit, um, <laughs> kill the detective and then you can have your daughter back. Good, that makes like, sense as to why. He, he's like, in, yeah. You get the inkling that he's been thrown off by Kerry and she has actually kind of outsmarted cool. him. Yes, Because he's, like, he's yeah. got a fucking brain tumour. He needs that. And yeah, he again, it's like not necessarily humanising him, but making him ever so slightly fallible in his last moments because he's so weakened at this point. He can't just be like fucking Batman mm. the whole time and just sussing everything out. But yeah, 
adding little elements mm -hmm. of fallibility in there as well. As Jeff attacks Kerry, Amanda, still alive, crawls up to John's side and, she, and he whispers to her that he knows about her failures with the recent traps. They were a test for her that she has failed. So this is tying into Amanda, as I said, doing the malfunctioning traps sure. at the beginning. She's not making them death traps for seemingly no reason because she would very clearly know that's against John's code and she just does it anyway, mm -hmm. the whole thing. This is her inexperience and her not actually being a civil fucking engineer like John is. Lack of skillability and experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he realizes like, oh, you're not the apprentice. You fucked this up. Hearing this, Amanda is enraged and unleashes her frustrations on her mentor, pistol whipping the old man in his hospital bed. I'm thinking, and this is going to get, you're going to go, oh God, Pan's Labyrinth moment Oof. where he like, mm. bash, yeah. and that moment where I was like, oh, it's a kid's film. <laughs> oh, it's not a kid's <laughs> film. Great. Welcome to Pan's Labyrinth, motherfuckers. And he just smushes his nose in, basically. Basically, Amanda loses her shit and attacks Jigsaw in his hospital bed. Lynn tries to stop Amanda, she's got a fucking shotgun collar on, but is shoved away as Jeff bashes Kerry's head against the floor. So there's a whole kind of mess of tackles and fights going on between these four people while John is just kind of dying in his bed, <laughs> realising like he's kind of helpless in this situation and it's actually these four other people that are actually going to influence the, uh, the ending of this. Jeff manages to bash Kerry's head against the floor, mortally wounding her, similar to how Matthews does to Amanda kind of thing, a big kind of like smash mm -hmm. against the wall kind of thing. Amanda puts the gun to John's head as Lynn pleads with her. Jeff tries to stop Amanda, but is too slow, and she pulls the trigger, finally killing John. Having Amanda killing Jigsaw here makes way more sense to me than Jeff just pulling out the fucking saw for no reason. Way more of like an emotional journey for her finally escaping his shadow and all this kind of stuff and realizing he's not the father figure she thought he was, all this kind of stuff. Amanda loses it and breaks down and sobs as Jeff picks up her gun and executes her in a fit of rage. The timer hits zero, the room seals shut, and Lynn's collar activates, killing her and leaving Jeff alone in a room full of corpses, never to see his daughter again. The same kind of ending, but through very different means. And, and then he fights scene. another cop in the next film. And then he has a fight with an FBI agent that yes. we don't talk about. And he also gets shot in that for no reason. So yeah, like I said, it's very similar to Saw 3. <laughs> it's probably the most similar to the original pitch I've ever done. Ever in the history of my, my sequelizing career. But I like to think I've... Like I said, my plan was to tidy things up, make things make thematic sense, not have characters who have been clever, like Kerry. Kerry was a big factor in this. And I'm so glad you brought her up, mm -hmm. Tim. I was, uh, when you mentioned her, I was like, I hate she gets killed in the first or second. She's the lead detective. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> She's the one who outsmarts Jigsaw. But it's fucking Jeff who ruins everything because Jeff's a fucking idiot. Um, yeah, basically try and clarify people's motivations, make everything make a bit more sense give Jigsaw's death a bit more impact because it's just random and weird with Jeff seemingly mm. killing him for no reason and then them yeah. not discussing the shotgun thing. So Jeff is actually trying to stop him from dying. All this kind of stuff. Try and, try and tidy it up a bit. But I, I do wonder if you guys actually think if it's, it's enough fixed for it to be fixed, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> it is so similar to the original in many ways. I think there's definitely improvements here. Um, and I can I can see that 
the logic in most of your choices. I, I'm not sure I agree with changing it so Amanda's incompetent rather than murderous. Mm. Um, because I get that it's that's kind fair. of stupid that she makes killing traps when she knows that that's not Jigsaw's deal, but also like it feels like him rejecting her because she's not as good a civil engineer as him isn't the same as him going like, no, you've misunderstood my philosophy and therefore you're mm. unsuitable. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's kind sense. of, I feel like there's maybe like a, a third path we could find that either combines mm. the two or, or go somewhere a little different because I feel like it should, it should be a like a philosophical, a philosophical difference rather, rather than, than just a, like, yeah, yeah. you're not good enough to be the new jigsaw kind of mm. thing. Um, unless you, unless you, maybe have a few more scenes with them and kind of I don't know like hammer home that he is very like demanding on her and kind of very a lot of chastising of her incompetence and therefore her rage at the mm. end becomes a bit more it yeah has a bit more um, of a, this, a setup I, I guess this comes mostly from like he's implied to be like the ultimate perfectionist yes. He never actually says that out loud. He never actually yeah. says, like, I have meticulously crafted <laughs> all of these things. I am a brilliant civil engineer <laughs> who has learned to build all these very oddly specific traps mm. for some reason. And anyone who can't build them is a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 I do. I totally see what you yeah. mean. Yeah, coming from a philosophical standpoint, that does make sense. I also think that the stuff with Matthews is kind of unnecessary i get that he comes back later but because it has no payoff in this film i feel like you could leave those to be flashbacks in a later film um, um yeah my, my problem is he's alive in the other films and he needs to get from point a to point yeah B, essentially. but i feel like you could do that in the later films rather than have it here and just have yeah. it be a like a loose end that isn't I mean, I'm not going to complain if there's less Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's fine by me too. Um, I'm I'm gonna shake some shit up now. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> this is the pinhead moment. Here we go. I disagree with Tim. Oh, interesting. I uh, but only because I've seen these films. There is a point where later Jigsaw. Uh, or John specifically says to I think I'm pretty sure it's Hoffman about the whole pit in the pendulum kind of Edgar Allan Poe sort of stuff. Yeah. It's like he is just the blade was bad, it was off, and he's like, he actually does do the whole mm -hmm. you does. are a poor imitation, and now you work for me. So that and th this is kind of the thing I would think ties into it. Like, like, like mm, the Donnie Wahlberg stuff seems superfluous. It's like yeah, but it has to have later. I think my reaction to the whole thing is is, is twofold. First of all. To echo Tim entirely, massive improvement. It makes something that is probably, as we know from the Rotten Tomatoes, from the from the fan point of view, people enjoy a lot of aspects of this story because it does feel like a lot of closure in certain places. This it was is, supposed to be a trilogy. This yeah. was supposed to be the last one, this and they an kill off Jigsaw, yeah. and this is it. Precisely, and and killing off both Amanda and Jigsaw means that there's no more, and it feels like it's a finale, but. While it's an improvement, and while I, I, I again, I definitely think elevating Kerry <clears throat> makes complete sense, um, changing some of the motivations and some of the traps to make it a bit more refined, 
that's some nice polishing. I think that's really solid. Um, the thing that I think is not hilarious, but definitely fascinating to me <laughs> is that Jack has been given the remit of, of the fix and, and, done, and, and we've all done this. Tim, myself, and Jack now. And Jack has other things as well, where it's like, okay, great, 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 great. I've got a very simple remit. Fix this movie. But I'm going to keep all the other movies. So I'm going to tie <laughs> my, both my hands behind my back and close one eye at the same time. It's like, yeah. you don't need to do that, Jack. No, 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 no. I can do this. It's like, you've made this so hard for yourself, but I can see why. And I can see all the things uh, like you. I'm not to... saying it was kind of an experiment to test my <laughs> like sequelizing skills, but it was a little bit of that of like mm. it's it's because it's so the the and the problem with this is if I did change anything or you move one little piece, it's butterfly effect mm. and it all falls apart because everything is so interconnected and convoluted in this fucking series. As soon as Hoffman isn't there or doing this thing or Gordon doesn't know about this thing. Then the reveal in six mm. or seven doesn't make any sense. Blah 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 blah. And it's this huge domino effect. And this is why I asked at the start of the pitch: Are you changing any of the other ones? And you said, No, not really. And it's like, and you oh, went, Oh my god, yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> Then you you have again, you have you have given yourself like, it's like, okay, I'm going to go into a B and Q or some sort of like hardware store and build myself a shelf. And I'm like, Great, I'm only going to use things from this one shelving unit. <laughs> it's like, What? Yeah, just brackets. There's no wood, there's no hammer, there's no fucking tools, just brackets. And it's like, Jack, that's really difficult. It's like, yeah, but I'm going to do it and it'll be impressive when I pull it off. And I think that's the thing. I think you do pull it off. And I think it is impressive because what you create here is a refinement. Um, from a personal standpoint, I would like to have seen a close. I would like to, this has been a satisfactory, I mean, like what Tim just said about the philosophy, for example. Three films in the in Yeah, the entirely. Just make it a trilogy. <laughs> and maybe yeah. you have Spiral years later, that kind of thing. Um, and I... Or, yeah, because Jigsaw's a kind of prequel, sequel kind of thing. But the point is that I would have preferred that for myself as, as a viewer and also for me. But I think also as somebody who has written a very convoluted web series, which is all shot Lord of the Rings style <laughs> at the same fucking time, I do understand that, 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 that innate desire to say like, no, 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 no. This is going to have a better payoff. And like you're saying, you putting Hoffman in here with the other person kind of thing, so you can definitely come out and say, oh shit, having that kind of reveal as a forethought, film studios hate that shit because it's like, why, what, okay, what's, what's the daily expenditure today? Well, we're, we're expending money on um, these three scenes. We're building sets for this. It's like, right, right. Where's the feature in the film? Oh, it's not for this film. That's for later. Well, then axe it. No, 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 no. It'd be great when it pulls mm. off. You don't know if you're going to get another film. It's like, no, 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 no. I'll do it. I'll be sowing seeds. And then you end up with like, you know, amazing Spider-Man 2 where there's so many seeds that don't go anywhere kind of thing. But in this universe, we know that they are setting these threads that go somewhere, technically. And we know that they go to a place that is arguably satisfactory. And this is the key point here. It will please the audience you're pitching toward. Because the traps that were already there are somehow more grisly, which they will approve of and appreciate. The philosophical clothes, um, which I think Tim and I would very much appreciate more, mm, yeah. would possibly irritate the key audience. Now, I'm not saying that makes it <laughs> right or wrong, because we should never pander to fucking audience members. But at the same time, I can understand your logic for doing so. So from my point of view, I can understand the changes. I would have gone much, much further. I imagine Tim would have gone much further as well in a different mm. direction. I know you... 
as you say, because it's Saw 3, you've taken constraints from Saw 2. And again, I think you could still just go, and I'm pivoting now. But instead you've gone, no, 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 I'm going to fix this. And yeah, I, I respect that. Um, I think, yeah, it, as I said before, when you, when you watch these, and if, okay, if, if anyone like thinks to themselves, actually, I wouldn't mind, I don't have the time to watch nine films, but I'd like to learn about it. There are tons and tons of YouTube videos <laughs> that outline what happens and the timelines. And they're like yep. two or three hours long. I was about to say that there's a couple that are like, IGN did one before Spiral came out because of course they did. All those kind of like the pop culture websites do the like, when Spiral comes out in one week's time, you might want to catch up with the Saw franchise to save you the time of watching the previous eight Saw movies. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. a breakdown in the next 10 minutes and blah, blah, blah. And they yeah. do a 10 minute thing. Click on our next video for the top 10 traps from the Saw franchise. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Then you get the horror nerds. And this is yeah. one of the guys I touched on is how to solve each trap in the Saw <laughs> franchise. He does it film by film, trap by trap. It's quite impressive. Unfortunately, most of them is just like, Cut the wires, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> or clog the gears, dude. What are you doing? All that kind of stuff. But everybody's a fucking moron in this franchise. Why aren't, why aren't they doing all these really obvious fixes? But you also get those guys that you said, Matt, where here's the entire history of the John Kramer jigsaw history franchise. Starting in 1951 when he's born, that kind of shit. It's an yeah, hour and 48 yeah. minutes long on YouTube, and I'm like, I am yeah. not watching that. As much as I want to reset, I have seen all of the films. I don't need to re-experience all of the films <laughs> over two hours on YouTube. Yeah. I'll watch the 10-minute version. <laughs> and I've watched all the films, so I'll get away with it. Yeah, I think it's... Um, interestingly, what you have essentially made here is you have taken where Saw 3 fits into the chronology, you have taken out that jigsaw piece and you oh. have now got a jigsaw piece that is the same shape, but the little picture that is on your jigsaw piece is a lot better. <laughs> um, Very good. I like it, Tim. I like uh, it. I, I mean, this is the thing. I think... The other surrounding, sh um, <laughs> surrounding images are shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's oh. of, a, of, of an arm being snapped in half. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that you guys visibly reacted to yeah. that moment, by the way. <laughs> I was hoping for describing Whoa. the trap and you for listeners out there when I said, and Timothy's bone snaps in half, ripping his shoulder and blah blah blah. And they both went, <laughs> oh, the, the audience know yeah. they were there. Most of them were going, fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. Where was the warning for this? <laughs> to be fair, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a sore pitch, what were you expect. Yeah. I think I mean I Matt is definitely right in that, like, to me, the saw franchise is not worth saving. And so I wouldn't have cared like if I had been doing it or if you if if we had been reading your f script and 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 you had completely chucked out all of the continuity I would not I would've been like yeah makes sense who gives a fuck about continuing it on but also from a, a lot realism of do, Tim. a lot of people yeah from a realism point of view a this franchise does have fans because of course it does but also they know how much money it makes they're not going to stop at 3 and they're going to keep mm -hmm. doing it because they're because the the studio is just going to keep wanting to make that money. So I, I think it does make sense. And there's, like you say, there is something satisfying. It's like if you take a really restrictive, like poetic form and, and you're like, okay, you have to write in this very complicated meter. And the word that is at the end of the first line has to also be the beginning of the oh, fourth yeah, line yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And, and still make it a nice poem to read. It's like, yeah, there's a challenge in that. There is, there is, 
to have something that's quite restrictive from a formal point of view or in this case from like a continuity point of view and still try and make a good film in there like there is an interesting challenge in that so i can totally understand why you did it um yeah i think um like beyond the things the, i still don't like it though <laughs> no i do i do it's still a sore film yeah, so it's like it's it's about i see this thing i on paper i both do and don't like this because at the end of the day um that's that's no slight to, to you jack because i think what you've done is you've, you've set yourself a remit and gone for it and that mm. makes complete sense um it, it in the same way that you know uh let's take prequelizers for example and it's like okay, I really love the the Fantastic Beasts universe. I love the the nineteen thirties, nineteen twenties America. I can't wait to see what we're gonna do with that, Matt. Fuck you! It's medieval England. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I didn't want that. Yeah. It's like yeah, but that's what I did. Yeah, I can appreciate what you did, but I kind of wish you hadn't. It's like well, I did, so <laughs> grade it. Um, and and that's the thing. I, I again, I'm I'm I'm. It's it's that sort of forlorn frustration of like ah oh, damn, I wanted something really, you know, off the wall, fucking crazy. So which I would don't. But equally, understanding where you're coming from makes me like it more. And I think this is the nature of what the audience will probably pick up the same thing as well. It'd be like, oh, I wanted Jack to do something, you know, it's set on a boat or something fucking <laughs> ridiculous like that. The boat is sinking. Saw plane. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Saw plane. You want a fucking alligator? Because <laughs> that's where the key is. <laughs> um, but yes, but having but said Captain that. Captain Hook origin story. Yeah. <laughs> But having said that, I I do understand it. I do respect it because of that. Yeah, I think and and like I said, like I was like fucking getting rid of Kerry is such a mistake, and you quite clearly like identify that as like yeah, it's a completely needless thing to get rid of her, yeah. and it actually robs from the impact of the series. So like to have that be like even going into it and having that fixed is a dramatic improvement over Saw Three without then like ruining the rest of the films kind of thing um i would recast angus mcfadgen i don't i was think thinking he's yeah, good in this yeah. i don't think he's yeah. a particularly good actor to be honest um yeah and i think even knowing that you're working on quite a tight you're you're working on donnie Wahlberg money uh rather than mark <laughs> Wahlberg money uh i think you could find There's never been a clearer description of the budgets of these movies than, yeah can you get mark no can you get donnie <laughs> i mean for like five minutes like, um yeah apparently he he was supposed to be a bigger factor in four i think it's four mm -hmm. but he was like oh, I'm, I'm done mate i can't be asked you have to pay me a lot of money and they were like can you come back for five minutes and he was like yeah go on then and then he does Smash and he dies on some ice yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think for a similar budget, I think there are probably actors out there who are better than Angus. Well, there's like seven other Wahlbergs. Yeah, right? <laughs> have another one. Pull one off the shelf and hope for the best. But because, yeah, I, I was I was I was thinking of other people, and I was thinking like I cannot bring in a big name into this. I cannot mm. just be like, fuck it. Here's an actor I really like who's like a prominent name. Here's a mm -hmm. fuck. I don't know. Hey, I could 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 even think of something. It's gosh, but here's Ewan McGregor. Fuck yeah. it, he's in a Saw movie. It's like, no, he's not. No, he's not. You couldn't afford Ewan I'll, McGregor I'll on a ten million dollar budget. You could put in, who'd be interesting, and wouldn't cost you a crazy amount of money. Billy Baldwin. So he has presence of being a Baldwin. 
<laughs> You're just going for the inferior. Make it this the inferior brothers yeah. franchise. So, yeah. so we can't we can't afford Mark Wahlberg. We can't afford Alec Baldwin. Yeah, get Billy Fuck Baldwin. Um, and then Saw, I think that'd be- Saw Four, Eric Roberts. Yes, yeah. Eric Roberts is the easy choice. But no, Baldwin yeah. hasn't been doing anything. But he was in like Backdraft and tons of cool stuff. And he's like he's he has abilities. He's talented enough. But he's literally. Yeah. Not, not doing anything, so it's. Just, I mean, admittedly, he was in the Squid and the Whale in 2015. He shows. He shows up in uh, for, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall as well, playing does, playing like the detective or something. Yeah, basically playing uh, um, David Caruso in CSI Miami kind of thing. Yes, that's in right. The, in the right, show yes. within the show. Yeah, that's yeah. Of course he does. Yeah, but but yeah, Billy Baldwin's one of those people. Like like so, people are like, oh, it's 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 a bit. It's a name basically without being a name. No offense, mm. Billy. Um, but that's kind of the point. It's, all and it all like, offense meant Billy. He, if he you're could listening. play the age, he could do the stuff. He's got the 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 angry <laughs> fucking. Um, you need an angry person. Angry person. And people are like, oh, flatline is a backdrop. So he's established enough, but he's not out of the yeah. ordinary. And yeah. I think him being a bit of a Weasley asshole, but he also sells the drama behind it. I think, yeah, that could work. In my opinion. Yeah, not work. Stephen um, Baldwin, that'd be terrible. Not Daniel Baldwin, that'd be terrible. Not Alec not, Baldwin, because he'd be not too Not Adam terrible. Baldwin, who's not related. Adam Baldwin's not related. It, it, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Another Baldwin. Billy Baldwin's my shout. Okay, yeah. I'm not opposed to that. I Like I said, I'm not married to the idea of Angus McFadden. Never have been, never will be. Uh, you know, contractually, it would have to be like five minutes in the, in, in the next movie for to get shot and gunned down. Yeah. Which you could shoot at the same time. But ultimately, he's a contained character in one movie. I am going to throw out a name. Uh, thinking of CSI I'm Miami, sure actually. Uh, oh, 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 I'm not bringing in David Caruso, don't worry. Oh, you have uh, Rory Cochrane. He's a little bit younger, but he could still, I mean, like, fucking Angus McFadden's considerably older than uh, Bahar Su- uh, Sumek, I think. Um, he's in Days Confused, Empire Records, uh, Scanner Darkly, does a lot of stuff with um, oh, yeah. uh, Richard Linklater, obviously. Um, he's also in um, bum, 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 Oculus. Um, yeah, oh yeah, with in 2014, and... which is a fun little horror film made by Mike Flanagan, who then went on to do the the uh, haunting of uh, Hill House and stuff like that, mm. yep. um, and plays kind of a not quite a similar role because he's a bit more creepy in that, but <laughs> a very it's it's hi I'm a dad in a horror film kind of thing, yes, and yeah. is very good in that, um, and I think he's a he's a decent actor and a better actor than. Uh, um, Angus McFadden. Than Angus McFadden, and I think he'd probably be doing CSI around this time. Um, but you could get him during the summer break to, you know, come in and do do a film, and that would mm. be a little. That would be enough high profile. Like, hey, it's yeah. that guy from that show that you like, while also not being a guy who's like, I demand big money. Yeah, Scanner Darkly came around about this time, but. That was filmed a long time ago and being rotoscoped for an eternity, so that's yeah. not interrupting that at all. So that's fine. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Again, Cochran's a great shout for me. I think he's a good, a good actor. Um, mm. But again, yep. that's the thing. Happy that. I think there are so many things you could just sort of drop in because it's not going to be too impactful on the the general saw canon. No one. I think we're not going to suggest someone's going to you know, as you said about getting a big name 
no one's going to outshine the, the the stars, as it were, or cost the film too much money. You're like, you're a $10 million budget, give me someone who's not going to cost me a fortune and break the bank mm. and isn't going to be a really weird sore thumb like fucking Paulie Shaw or some shit. <laughs> what the fuck did you get this guy for? We got Roy, Rob, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. Saw 3. I like this. I Like I said, I'm not hugely married to any of the cast in any particular. Well, for continuity, all, some, yeah, but yeah. They're all fine. Continuity, you can't really get good. I mean, essentially what you do there is just replace them for the whole thing. So, I had to recast Costas Mandalore and maybe this mm. another guy instead mm. or whatever, but like, he's barely in 3, so it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think you're you're right that McFadden is not particularly good <laughs> in in anything. I mean, he's, he's fine in Braveheart, <laughs> apart from his face that he does. Um, yeah, there's a reason he wasn't particularly much in my Braveheart scene. I get that he's kind of uh meant to have a concussion through the whole thing from his crate accident. Um, I don't th- I don't know if he consciously isn't like I don't know if they. They're aware of that, if you know what I, I mean, mean. I'm aware of that because I studied the hell out yeah. of this film. But <laughs> you like, would think I don't think the filmmaker's like, oh, he's got a concussion. I think yeah. just, he's just a bumbling, angry dad. He's just, he just so dopey in it. And you're just like, you, how, like, how is there not adrenaline pumping through your body at this point? You're in a fucking death <laughs> trap, man. Stop, like, shuffling around in your pajamas. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think, no, like, like I say, it, it given the constraints that you placed on yourself, I think you have done a good job of getting into the mm. into the continuity gaps that you could and improving it. Um, I really like that Kerry survives for a bit longer. Um, yeah, I think I think this is a mm. very solid fix for um, a film that, like we say, it's kind of it's not a fan favorite, but. Yeah, it was better received than than two, which I hmm. don't necessarily understand. I think, yeah, but there we go. I'll tell you what fucks me off. Um, watching all these films, Costas Mandalor, I look at his face, and there are moments where I'm like, "You're Ronald Zeffeld, the the German actor." And it's like, no, oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. like, no, I'm not. I'm Costas Mendel. It's like, no, no, you're Ronald Zeffeld. And it's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Obviously, he's not saying to me. But it's like, those two fuckers could play brothers in a film, and I wouldn't be able to. I would, and then, you know, the older brother is Brendan Fraser. And they're like the three round faced <laughs> brothers, um, like, yeah. like the Hemsworths. And uh, then they go and put people in traps. That's my sequel. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Well, listeners. Let me know what you thought, especially Josh Miles, who picked this as his Patreon pick. Let me know if you're going to be very angry with me keeping most of Saw 3. <laughs> or be like, okay, Jack, I see what you did there. Yeah, cool, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to get a lot of hate, I would guess. Or we'll, we'll somehow access the diehard <laughs> Saw fans. That's the dice and, you roll. And they will, uh, they will come to my defense in that. Or maybe they'll hate me for even touching a masterpiece. Who knows? I might get crucified from both sides in a very Jigsaw-esque uh, murder puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to contact us on social media, we are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. I personally am JLW Chambers on all the social medias. So if you do want to hit me up directly and complain about specific Saw films or discuss Saw lore to any extent, unfortunately, I have it all rattling around in my brain once again for the first time in about a decade. So now's the time. Strike while the iron is hot, diehard Saw fans. 
Matt, if somebody wants to contact you and discuss diehard saw law, how can they do that? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the Red Rat Hand at Cody K to read my reviews. I know they're sparse. Cinemas are only just opening up. I'm being very careful what I recommend. Review Spiral, Matthew. Eh, might, might, we'll see. It's rubbish. Um, you okay. go to cheesemanip.com and uh, see the things I make. Tim! Where you at? <laughs> so I can send someone to your house. I a pig mask. Come get you. Kidnap you with a pig mask. Yeah, I knew that. But, but tell me where you live. It's important. Uh, the, the, the cupboard that I shoot into every day is my Twitter account, uh, trivia underscore lad, <laughs> uh, where you can find uh, work and things that I've been doing interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah, and or just, just me ranting my opinions. It is my own personal little uh, audio tape recorder. Uh, that I will seal in wax and stick in my own stomach before I die. Tim has 90 tweets loaded up for after his death. Yes, they will be <laughs> sent out according to my own precise timings. Yeah. You can also join the discussion with the three of us and a lovely community of people on our Discord. You can go to sequelizers.com or find the pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter. Links to the Discord and all that good stuff are there. The sequelizers.com website also has the shop, also has the Patreon, also has various uh, podcast services that you can find us on and you can review us on if you're unable to contribute to Patreon, because I know not everyone necessarily is able to financially support us. If you're able to support us in other ways, like reviewing us, giving us five stars on podcast platforms such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate that. And that really helps boost the show and uh, access more listeners and grow the fan base of you. Lovely, lovely people. This is your test. Give us five stars on your podcast listening thing. <laughs> I'd like to play a game. You must leave five stars on the Sequelizers podcast. Then tell a friend. And, Turn uh, them into your apprentice. Exactly. Recruit all your secret apprentices and send them to the Discord. Good luck doing it uh, out your thumbs, you pieces of shit. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. But yes, we will be back next week with the season eight finale and ladies and gentlemen i say this i know i say this sometimes i've said it a lot it's something very different but this is a big one you know we go big or go home for the season finales if you've been a listener to sequelizers for a while since season one we have savored big fucking deals for the end of the season and no pressure on whoever's fixing this but it's a big one. It's a big franchise. Bigger than Saw. Oh, um, <laughs> what? Bigger than oh, Saw? Hey, you made a billion dollars. That's quite a lot of money. Uh, that's almost as much as one Avengers movie. That's true. Um, <laughs> um, it's not Avengers, don't yeah, worry. Um, you could put all the budget for all the Saw films and own, not even make one fucking <laughs> Avengers film. <laughs> yeah, you'd make the first 20 minutes of Captain America and yeah. you'd be done with it. Um, but yes, next week is the season finale. It is a big one. We, we say this when we have run behind the curtains f over four hours on Saw. <laughs> I can't imagine how long it's going to be to record this next episode. I dread to think. But thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week for the season finale. Bye-bye. I'll see you in hell. Live or die, you decide. I choose to live. That's very smart of you, Matthew.